And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering something Star Wars. In this episode, under intense scrutiny with while imprisoned, Cassian and his allies... Oh, sorry, I can't read. Cassian makes allies and plan an impossible escape. There will be Cyril mouth-breathing all over Dedra. He's all just like, Hey, Dedra. You want to, like... We're talking about Andor episode 9. Nobody's listening this week. How you doing, Chris? And I'm Hope that just mouth-breathed into your ear. You're welcome. Excellent. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I went yard selling over the weekend. Um, it was fun. Uh, Did anything taking, good? Not anything. I There was a Darth Vader clock that I really stared at, and it had a 25, so I was like, 25 cents? No, it was like $25. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope, nope. I had to put Mr. Vader back. Mostly I was just getting things that I needed. Like, I've been needing some workout shirts and... Um, I got a shower caddy because I've been looking for one of those. A cute wrap. And yeah, so it, it wasn't like anything too crazy, but it was like stuff I just like needed. I bet I you could have got the Vader clock for 15, but I think that sounds still too much. It depends on what it was. What, 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 when, what time period do you think it was from? Now I'm getting garage. Now you got my garage sale. So, you know, right how on. much was the Grand Inquisitor <laughs> clock that you got me? How much was it? Oh, geez, I don't remember. It was probably like it was probably a buck or two, you know, something like that. Okay. You know, it was similar to that. It was Vader standing on a little platform with buttons that made sounds. Okay, so it's it's sometime after 1997. Yeah. So yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw 25. I was like, no, no. <laughs> maybe it was five dollars, maybe. But yeah. So yeah, that was fun. And then I'm really excited because uh, we're recording the next session of For Light and Dice on Monday. I can say this now because, you know, we would have recorded it already and Charles would have already been there. So it's not like I'm spoiling him or anything. And fingers crossed my character gets to murder her first person and gets emotional trauma. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to Monday. Other than that, just normal work week, hanging out. Not really complaining. Have nothing really to complain about. So, yeah. How are you doing? So far, so good. The weather's been beautiful up here. Um, I've already got strawberries forming in my front yard. So, it's nice. Going to have a couple strawberries in a couple days. I need to look up wild strawberries because I think we might have some. Wild strawberries are wild strawberries are really close to the ground. Like, if you mow your lawn, that that, like... 
you you could still get strawberries, but you could also be they're they're very, they don't go up like like a strawberry you'd go like if you went to a nursery and got one. Like those are the the ones we have in our yard are from one that somebody got at a nursery, so they grow up like eleven inches up into the air, whereas like wild strawberries like to sort of just sort of stay down at that they like like fields that don't have tall grass in them that have like you know short short foliage and they'll be like and they're they're tiny they're like but like little a, babies it, yeah yeah they're they're like they're yeah they're like tiny they're like they're like the size of like a blueberry you know really yeah. like the big this ones is, we have some like old like like um berry growing cages um that are just like out back beside like our storage shed and it's like growing up through like the wire so and i was looking at it, i was like i wonder if these are wild strawberries like chris is always talking about i don't know so yeah we have some in the front that, that there's a lot of flowers so we'll see we think they're white strawberries but i don't know if they're th- those are wild or not they, they they are not as big as our our nursery bought strawberries I'm a little worried about them when they take over that front section of the lawn. It might be too. The city might get mad because they might. They be might too invade. Tall. They might be too tall. I don't know if they're they're considered like a decorative, you know, or a weed. So we'll find out. <laughs> I'll keep. You can argue closely. it's art. It's art, man. It's art. I could I could see them being like it attracts vermin, but like the the, the you know nothing really gets at our strawberries because there's too many cats in our neighborhood, and one of them likes to hang out right out right next to our strawberry patch, so mm-hmm. it's worth the catnip. No, speaking of catnip, we have catnip growing everywhere around here. Ooh, yeah. Well, I shouldn't say everywhere. Though it's climbing up like between the bricks of our walkway, and I was just like, "Hey, look at you! What's up?" Because we have it in our pots, but like it's like it hopped out of the pot and started growing on the walkway. We have so many street while you know feral cats that I mean we're not crawling with feral cats, but there's a decent amount of feral cats, and uh, um. You can't grow catnip around here. I've tried to grow cat, and you know catnip. It's a weed. It it grows like the dickens. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I had a catnip plant that I started inside, got it good and bushy, planted it outside. It, it bushed right up, and then within two days, it was eaten down to the roots. <laughs> no. It's <was> just gone. <laughs> Yeah, I do, I do know it's weird because like where it's growing right now, like it's a concrete walkway with bricks and it's growing between the brick and the concrete uh-huh. on an yeah, yeah. elevated part. Like it's probably about four feet up off the ground growing on top. And I'm just like, how did how did you do this? Yeah, that's why that's why that's why if civilization just shut down, it wouldn't take long before like you wouldn't even Nature see roads. Heal. Yeah, yeah. Sidewalks and roads would just get turned into rubble like quickly. Hey, let's let's keep pushing for stuff like that. You know, we've already Sounds started healing. We've already started healing the ozone. Oh yeah, no, we 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 actually, actually, our action on the ozone actually worked. So. Yeah, it's almost as if 
you know, we tell capitalists to shut the fuck up. We can heal the earth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What a novel concept. Almost like you pass a law and 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 enforce it, and and different things happen, huh? That's interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Anyway, well, this show has nothing to do with anything like that. No, it's never that like serious or anything. It's no. Uh, now, now everybody just kick your feet up. It's time to to turn your brain off and have and a enjoy, nice and enjoy fun, some pew pew. Some chill episodes of Andor. They're so relaxing. Isn't isn't the sounds of children dying horrifically relaxing? Well, just put in your headphones and enjoy it. Listen to this background of of uh, falling water to relax you in in the night. All right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you ready to get into it? Yes. What do you think of this episode? I love this episode. Woo-hoo. This, this might be my favorite episode of the series. It's like it's up there for me. In, in some ways, it's some ways it's as good as my my what might be my favorite episode. But I just like that ep. I I like favored that out of these this arc i favored that episode because it's just the one that introduced like all all these you know new concepts to to the show and to the general star wars narrative and and approached it in a very novel and ingenious and amazing way so it was like you know it's it, it was like the the one that busted through but boy these 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 episodes are just i mean this is juicy every every little every little scene every little detail whether it's on the prison or in the you know in mon mothma's world is in it or cyril and dedra's world is intense this is this is the this is the middle part where all is lost <laughs> mm-hmm. of this arc and it's 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 very empire strikes backy and it's see uh, see i feel like that for about the first the first like 90 percent of the episode and yeah. then you get that last five minutes well then the, then you so, get like, the, the, end of line, like, the last two minutes yeah and like for me like the reason, and, and of course, like, we still have a few more episodes to go, so I'm not, like, quite ready to say this is my favorite episode, but this one's, I, I like this one better versus last week, which is, like, honestly splitting hairs, because to me, like, the emotions resonate more in this one. This, Where last well, week well, this is, one, this one is, like, for me personally. focused, it, it, not focused, but, like, if you really think about it, like, the key to this is, is, um, Kino's you know the change of you, you know mind how how mm-hmm. like how and i forgot that it happened all in one episode that it didn't happen between two episodes and and yeah and that and and his character is fucking awesome so all of it, so it's just very appealing it's, to watch and it's and it's these things are tropes you know of something like this having to happen but the way that it's approached is very real and very non-tropey. It's just, yeah, it's beautifully written. Absolutely. It's amazing what they do with Kino in such a short amount of time, like three episodes, and he is probably one of the best arcs of the show. Andy Circus is a really good actor. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
He really is. So, you ready to get into it? Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> Andor episode nine. Nobody's listening, which has exclamation points. Like this title actually has exclamation points, so you have to yell it. Nobody's listening. Aired on November 2nd, 2022. It was written by Bill Willman, and it was directed by Toby Haynes. Some extra information for you. Dr. Gorse, who is the evil doctor, is played by Joshua James from Black Mirror and Absinthia. And that's not to be confused with Dr. Ravzig, who is the doctor on Narkino 5. Rav, 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 Ravziv. There we go. Who's the doctor on Narkino 5 prison, who's played by Adrian Rollins from Slow Horses, Harry Potter, and Elden Ring. The planet that Salmon Pack went to for a separatist meeting on, which was John Dara, was first originated in the MMORPG Star Wars The Old Republic. The torture device used on Bix was designed similarly to Lobots in Empire Strikes Back. And finally, Anton Krieger's missing pilot is said to be on his way to Caffeine. The Rings of Kafreen. Oh, sorry, Carfreen. There's an R in there. Freen. The Ring of Carfreen colony was first seen in Rogue One, and this is actually where we meet Cassian Andor for the first time in the film. You, I don't, you know what is also a segue of things? Oh, drunk today, are you? I, I just, I don't have, no, I just don't have words. I was just so taken aback by you. Oh my god. Yes, yes, Yoda is majestic. Yes. Many say. Yes. You're looking you're looking quite moist today, my friend. Moist and majestic, yes. Yes, have you been taking your moisturizer? Yes, triple M they used to call Yoda moist, masculine, majestic. Mmm. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, three M. Well, then, Mr. 3M, I got a question for you. Yes. Yes, is it about how handsome Yoda is? Possibly, because people inside what I'm going to be asking you might like to know. Mm, many people want to know how handsome Yoda is. Well, and moist. You're just, like, winding your way up for this question, aren't you? Mm, being moist and winding. handsome might be good for you. Winding is the trail of the force. So, uh, because this arc is set in a prison, have you ever been to prison, Yoda? Oh, yo, no, many, many, many times. Yoda was Jedi during Clone Wars, always getting put into prison to infiltrate. Yes, no prison can hold Yoda. Oh my god, because you're moist, do you just slip through the bars and just go like, woo? And all Jedi mind tricks, you know, all that stuff. But Yoda has spent a few nights in Coruscant drunk take. So, so what was, uh, do you, did you like meet any like interesting people? Always in, in drunk tank, yes. Yoda mostly sleeps it off, but sometimes, yes, Yoda makes friends, yes. Coruscant cops are dicks. Mm-hmm. Mm, is Yoda being detained? Is Yoda being detained? Is Yoda free to go? I actually think, if I remember, that most of them are uh, 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 droids. So, if I remember yeah. that from the Clone Wars. 
Yeah. Never. They never send the droid. They send special Jedi unit, drunk Jedi unit to Yoda. They have special nets. Yes. Many Jedi get drunk. Must be detained. (laughs) In a in a thing that Chris won't understand because he doesn't play the video games. This must be where the purge troopers come from. Hmm? They got their practice, and now they, they're fied. It was a good practice for them. Yoda knows all about purge troopers, does not know why Chris should know anything. <laughs> all right, well, why don't you just uh, slip and slide right out of here, Yoda? We got a big old episode to tackle. There he goes, off like a little watermelon seed. Oh, I was seeing like a, like a, he looks like a little seal going down in a bank bank Like a peeled grape. <laughs> like a little, uh, like a little ping, a penguin sliding into the uh, ocean. Just, oh, geez. there he goes. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, he's calling happy feet. Oh, <laughs> I was actually just writing about Elijah Wood the other day. We could call he's him Elijah the, Wood too. He's uh, the, the lead character of happy feet, by the way. He voices the lead character for context, in case anybody didn't get that. So I was writing about Star Wars Resistance. I got to write all about how good he is as Jace Recklin, as the character everybody wants to fucking hate. And I wonder how many hate. I wonder how many weird male Lord of the Rings fan have named their penis Elijah Wood. Anyway. <laughs> Something, I would I'm say shocked. four or five. I'm gonna say four or five at least. Out of everyone in the world. Yeah, I mean, who seriously have done it? Like some of them might have jo- been jokingly like, "Hey, baby, get a load of Elijah Wood." <laughs> so, oh, Mr. Frodo, you know, or whatever. But like, yeah, who've seriously been like, you know, I'm. I. I know one of our listeners is a huge Lord of the Rings fan, but I'm I'm ha- I, don't I don't know if I don't think they're that huge. Well, I don't know, you know if I, I would mean if they were huge just... if they were huge Lord of the Ring fans, maybe you would want to name it Elijah Wood. I don't know if I want to call him out on this very specific thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so, hope you know one. So you know who you are. Anyway, Act One. Act One, you want to do it? Let's do it. <clears throat> Act One. So a little recap from last week. Cassian is in jail with Melshi and Andy Circus, and Bix is captured by Dedra. Anyway, on to this week. Hey, Bix is still captured by Dedra. Look at that. She's still there. And Bix is trying to be a big, strong woman. And Dedra's like, that's really cute. But I have something that you don't, Bix. This is my Yosef Mingala fuckboy who's in the room. And I don't fuck him because look at him. He's gross and he's crazy. But he's going to torture you now. And look how super giddy he is. He's so happy. You look like you're about to have a good time, Yosef Mingala fuckboy. And he's like, I am. I'm super happy to be here with you today, Bix. And Dedra is like really giddy. And she's like, here's all the stuff I know. Because, you know, we've already tortured Pack. And, and... Yeah, so we already know all this stuff about you, Bix. And the baddies are just, like, having the best time. And finally, Bix is like, look, I don't know who Luthen is. <laughs> I just know Luthen casually. I don't even know if his name is Luthen. What's a Luthen? I don't know. And so finally, Detra's like, what about Cassian? When was the last time we saw, he, you saw him? Like, isn't he, like, your ex-boyfriend and shit? And Bix, Bix is like, I'm not going to answer you. So Detra's like... Good job, me. It's time to torture you. Meanwhile, 
and we go back to prison. And Cassian and his team, they're kicking ass and taking names. They're gonna actually get flavor in their food, and they're all excited about it. But poor old Olaf, he just seems to be struggling. He's just being a cute old man. And Andy Circus is just like, Olaf, you're doing great. You got 41 days left, buddy. Hang in there. You gotta be the cat in the tree poster. And Olaf's like, we're not allowed to have posters here. He's like, yeah, just be a cat in a tree and hang on in in there. And Cassian and Melchie look at each other like, yeah, we're fucking scheming to get out of here. Anyway, we go back to Ferrix. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not gonna joke. I'm not gonna linger on this scene. The scene is horrific. The, uh, the, the doctor guy tortures Bix with the sound of children dying. And it's horrible. And, yeah. Anyway, we're gonna move on past that. We go back to prison! <laughs> and it turns out that Cassian and his pals, well, <coughs> excuse me, Cassian and his pals, while they've been here in prison, they have not been idle. Because they've been scheming. And they have been, and I say when I say that they, it's not just everybody at his table. It's like everyone in the room is in on this. And they've all been slowly filing through a pipe behind a wall panel on their bathroom breaks. And yeah, so he, but as, the, as, as Cassian is taking his chance, a new prisoner arrives and he runs over and he stands beside another per, uh, prisoner named Birnock. And they're just talking quietly because they're like, look at the guards. They have lack of shoes. The elevator rails are not electrified. No boots. Lot, not a lot of guns. We can do this. We can do this. And their plot is forming. And then a little bit later that day, Olaf is still being very confused and he's slipping. But like his table guys are like super duper duper like supportive. And they're like, well, you got this, Olaf. <clears throat> so anyway, the uh, baddies decide to keep Bix alive because she's going to be bait and she's not doing okay. Uh, the torture was really good and but like in a bad way and she's not doing great and uh, so one of the Imperials come over and they're like hi Miss Detra uh, what are we going to do with this pack guy and she's like oh we need to make his son bomb us in the finale so uh, hang him and they're like okay and then they high five because now they've set up the finale and Detra like sashays out of there because she's feeling particularly evil today so then it's time to check in with the 1% with Mon Mothma and the Senate. And she's just like, hello, my fellow senators. See, this is my, I'm a, this is why I hope would make a good senator. We're here to talk about government overreach and the P.O.R.D. And this all sucks. But all the other senators are like, boo, we love the empire. And they start turning off their lights in protest. And she's like, this senate is a temple. If it's not a temple, then what is it? My body is a wonderland. Come on, anything. Anyone listening? Nobody's listening. I hate that's the title of the episode. <laughs> and then she looks really, really upset as everybody's like really ignoring her. And so she gets pissed and like goes into her car. And like the ISB guy is just like, by the way, sir, your cousin's here. And she's like, my cousin, Vel? He's like, yeah, the very um, not married looking one. She's like, shut up, whatever your name is, Tribe. Go, go get her. And so, back in the prison, it's the end of the workday. Our, our prison buddies are tired. But as they're, like, waiting in the little hallway, everyone is, like, panicking. Because, like, on, on the other levels, and, like, 
and they're like sign languaging back and forth and they're all confused because something happened on level two and everyone's like what happened on level two and like they're signing back and forth and and then like there's something really really wrong on level two and they, they don't know what's happening and then suddenly the power drops which like doesn't happen and everyone looks kind of at each other like what is happening and then alarms start going off and there is something really really wrong on level two and kino is like shut up everybody fall in line it's fine we don't know what's happening on level two it's okay it's tense let's go and have a happy nappy they all go back to their room end of act one i swear after like 370 episodes of doing this i just sound drunker I just sound, and I'm not drinking. I'm drinking seltzer water. <laughs> I just sound drunker. Just People drunk who've been life. listening to us for a long time, like Gene, do I just sound like I'm drunker? Anyway, what do you think of Act One? I I love Act One. I just want to point out we're seeing the like the first the the all the the Mengele's crawl in, and. Uh, but this stuff is going to continue from the Empire into the New Republic. We're seeing, like, you know, like in the Mando and to some degree a little bit in in Bad Batch. Oh, my God. Megan was – so anyone who might be new, Megan's my best friend. Um, her and her husband watched it, and she's so pissed off at this season of Mando. <laughs> and it's because of the, – the what did it for her was that episode with the Dr. Pershing episode. Um and she was like, what was the point of everybody fighting and dying in the new and re- fighting the empire if the Republic's just going to suck anyway? She's like, yeah, I don't well, like well, this th- I mean, that's yeah, that's I mean, that's a that's a valid point. I, it, but yeah, I mean, but it's it's I, I mean, it sort of echoes like, um, oh, what was it? Project Paperclip, you know, where we, we brought all the no- Nazi scientists over, you know, after World War Two. <laughs> To work mm-hmm. on the space program and s- the space race and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. and ma- made them important people, you know. So yeah, I'm not saying I, that Werner von Braun was reintroducing torture <laughs> into our government or something, but you know, it's the yeah. same same sort of point that, like, you know. But uh, but I I do agree with that because also like, you got to set up this this the sequel trilogy too. Oh, yeah. See, and that was kind of like what I told her. Like, I feel like we're going to be in that rough time until we get out of this time because they have to just make it work and figure it out. Um, But I feel like once we get like into like the new Ray movie that's coming like 15 years after, like it's going to be better because... We're we're gonna get out of this like time of like oh we did this thing with the sequel trilogy and, uh, and like there are parts of the sequel trilogy I really like so don't get me wrong, um but a yeah, bit about hmm? make Ray make a make a Filoni animated series with Ray as a character and give her the Anakin treatment <laughs> you know no she doesn't will... need the Anakin treatment she she does need the Anakin treatment though because she wasn't really given any kind of like. She, she, I mean, she and Kylo were given the most story in those, but like, you could, you could make it, you, you could develop, use that fifteen years between the movies to develop, you know, to to Filoni it up. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, about the, what you were saying about the doctors, um, yeah, I agree with you. Like, all the evil fucks can uh, crawl out of the woodworks. And I, I wrote down, uh, I hate this doctor so much, this might be the evilest villain of the season. Like, he's just having the... He, he's, like, wanting to tell her. He's like, let me hyper... Like, tell you my hyperfixation on how horrible these children die. <laughs> like, he is just... He's loving being in that room. And he's so polite about it. And that's why it's creepy. Because it would be one thing if he was, like, sympathetic. But no, he's having the best time doing it. he's just like, and then they died. And then we found the people curled up under the bridge. And they were really upset. Then you're going to have... Well, it could... going to happen, too. If, if it wasn't torture, it could be kind of cute. Because he's just a big nerd, you know. Yeah. And he's, but he's also a psychopath. Not, maybe not even a psychopath, but just, like... You know, it, like he do, he obviously like lacking empathy, but like, yeah, he's he's genuinely like, let me explain. Let me explain this to you, you know, and I think <laughs> this isn't going to physically hurt too. you. So it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of the torture, too, because like he's yeah. building it up in her mind that it's going to be bad. And he's also building it, you know, from a narrative point of view, is building it up for the audience as well. So like when we do well, you have you have to because well his description of the like the voices which is amazing because it means he's listened to them mm -hmm. he's listened to he's sampled it somehow you know so he's had a little little taste of it so he knows what she's in for yeah it's just so that whole scene is so gorgeously written because um you know um dedra dedra is like mm, yum 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 i'm gonna get to go in and and fucking torture someone and she starts in you know, and she starts in on Bix, starting on the psychological torture, and Bix immediately sums her up and steals her, all her thunder, steals all her fucking... It's it's the, you, you're not going to believe me, are you? And she's like, nope, you're right. Yeah, no, she, she, she knows she's going to get tortured, and this is just Dedra you know toying with her and having having getting her good time in because you know d you know it's this guy's job to don't you know it's the screams of the 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 dying alien children that are going to be getting all the real you know administering all the real fun so she wants to get her psychological hooks in first and she's also setting up her interrogation but Bix is just like yeah let's dispense with you you doing this and just get to the torture and uh and you can see deirdre's face just drop because she's done for a while she can't come you know she's she has nothing to do after that and she didn't get to she didn't get to you know she had it all thought out i'm gonna get real close to her face here and i'm gonna do this and you know she was having you know she was having her fun and and bix just like rip took that right away mm-hmm I'll get to Dedra in a minute, but I have a couple other things about the doctor. Um, it's so smart on them to not let us, the audience, hear the torture. Because what we imagine will yeah. always be so much worse than whatever they could have came up with. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and, and you know, I, I, I also don't know if you could get on a disney show <laughs> the sound of children being tortured you know it's it's pretty mm -hmm. intense enough but yeah no it's it's yeah no it it's 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 just it's just incredibly incredibly done and then it ends with that death star shot from you know 
the original Star Wars with the door closing, the camera following it, and then following a couple feet, marching mm-hmm. away. So it's echoing that where Princess Leia was getting tortured, except, you know, they cut away before, you know, any of the, you know, any of the torture actually started. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just, be- and, and it, and it goes right from that scene into like a, just a pure white room. Mm-hmm. And and like the sound of Bix screaming gets replaced with like the sound of like a high pitched drill. So yeah. like it goes that sound cue follows in too. Yeah. But um, the other thing about um, kind of like from a story perspective um, about like why these kind of Mingla fucks can thrive in this time period, I, I wrote down I bet Doctor Gorsk and Hemlock from the Bad Batch are drinking buddies because yeah, probably. people like Gorsk and Hemlock. They had to probably be really super secretive under the Republic. And we right. know from the Bad Batch that Hemlock actually got in trouble with the Republic for his experiments. And now the Empire lets these fucks thrive. Yeah, no, they probably work for the same same division. They're a very, you know, yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. a very select group. They probably, Yeah, they probably all... You know, and it, it would pay to have them mingle because then they can they can compare ideas and yeah torture all the more effectively um my only other note is the the scene of level two getting fried is is just masterful i love how i love that scene i mean this story has been told a million times but they've found a way to tell it that's different and shines light on different angles of it and and everything and it's 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 what the just the just the like you have basically these guys are sort of on their own you know this is like this sort of fully automated prison they're just getting little bits of it you 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 find out something's happened but you have no idea what it was and it's not until later in the episode that you find out that little moment was just basically a hundred people getting just like extinguished Mm-hmm. right you know on the spot but at the same time like they know something bad happened everybody you know and you can just feel you know you're and you're given this information along with them and it just captures that like tenseness of something's happening but you know we you have no control over the situation and, and that's I, I wrote something very similar because it's the panic and confusion that the audience is feeling with them. We are just as much in the dark as the characters are. And so that leads to us having panic and confusion because we don't know what's about to happen and neither do the characters. And we look to the characters to guide us. And when they don't know what's happening and we don't know what's happening, it adds extra tension and panic. Like, I love that scene. That's probably my favorite scene of this episode. Well, I've noticed and I want to notice in the remaining shows on the prison, um... Which which is only one more actually, but um, um, if they I don't think they ever show anything, you know I don't think they ever show anything from the prison the prison's point of view. Like we don't ever see just a room with just guys in it going blah 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 blah. Well, I think we do. We might later on. I think we definitely do later on actually, but up to this point, everything. I'm we've not sure seen, what you're t- saying. Well, every scene that we've seen so far has been, you know, 
uh, from the prisoner's point of view. We're not we're not in a control room with no prisoners with the guys talking. So anything we see of the running of the prison or the goings on of it is just whatever the the prisoners see, which is almost nothing, which is very telling. And like, you know, and and they're not they're not showing us like some Imperials going, oh, we got, you know, they could have shown that scene where the new guy came in and Cassia, they could have started that scene with the new guy, you know, with the with the guys going, okay, well, let's bring the new guy in and bring him in and, you know, you know, quiet on the floor and and all that. But they, they do it oh, from the guards. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We never see the, the guards in the prison in the prison without seeing it through where the prisoners are. We, you know, so we're we're getting it all from the point of view of the prisoners, which is what you should be doing. And I and I don't think it's until, you know, later in the second episode that we like actually get to see. But and that by that time, it's too late, you know, but that's when we get to actually see like how pathetically understaffed and, you know, underprepared that, you know, how cheap their their sort of their thing is, you know, their whole their whole uh, setup is and. uh it's it's just it's just brilliant how the it's just brilliant how they how they lay, lay this story out you know it could be you know and the with the prison stuff being so compelling you know it could be so tedious to basically you know the other stories going on are almost like you know, uh, expositional as in you know they're just it's of the story going forward, but those are equally as intense <laughs> as, as the prison in this episode, which we'll see in the next two parts more than this one. Yeah. I mean, cause so much of this is, um, well, what well, the reason it works is because all the other stuff is still thematically linked to the prison. I have a note later on about how Kino and Mon Mothma's story in this episode are the same, only just from different points of view. And it's about holding on to these beliefs in these, like, and it's holding on to belief and hope in a system, but the system's not working and it's falling apart. And and because of like, they're both thematically linked, but in completely different ways. Yeah. And that's why this works so well. Yeah. Um, I I just want to note my only only other thing I want to note before I'm done with my notes is how cold-hearted the whole Senate setup is. Is if like, you don't like what somebody say, you just turn off your light. <laughs> Fuck you. And leave. <laughs> You have to get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of them look like they were just getting up, turning the lights off and, and sitting back down in their seats just like because somebody else is going to come up afterwards and they could turn their lights back on for them or whatever. When mm. the next guy comes up and goes, I love the Empire. And they could all go, yeah, click, 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 click. All the lights come on. It's just that's just some cold hearted shit. That's great. Mm. It's fun. That's so all I, I got. So uh, one other thing about I had about the uh, level two scene is, again, like the torture scene with Bex, anything that we imagine of what's happening is worse. And I'm so that and that's part of the reason why I'm glad that they didn't see it, because apparently level two is on the other side of the building by what Kino said. And if people were the people that they could see were frantically signing the way they were, how frantically signing were the people who were across the way watching it happen? Right, right. And just imagine the people in those tubes watching just a hundred men die. 
and how much they were panicking and everything else is just so much worse like the way we imagine it is going to be worse than actually showing it and like that's something that this show does really well is not to give too much information it knows just it gives us just enough to let the audience like like sometimes i do think holding the audience its audience's hand is necessary but i think sometimes like in these two instances giving the audience just enough information for them to suddenly go rampant. <laughs> so their imagination well, yeah, is no, the blank, you, and that's trusting the audience. It draws you, it, it, it puts the audience, as somebody who's been incarcerated, it puts you more in, it, it, it puts you in, it gives you the feeling of what's going on more, you know? Mm-hmm. If, if you, you know, if, if they don't know what's going on, you shouldn't know what's going on either because, then that's just going to cut the tension, you know, which is exactly what you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's all I have for the level two scene, because that's, that is probably my favorite scene of this episode. Like I love everything about that moment. Um, anyway, back to uh, the beginning. <laughs> I wrote, gosh, Denise Gal is so dang good at being evil. She plays Dedra. Yeah. Because this is the the Dedra turning episode. And I actually have a lot of complicated feelings about Dedra in this episode. Like how I feel about her in one scene versus when we get to act three are going to be two very different feelings. Um, And I will, I will get to act three and how, how, how complicated that is for me. Um, But this is the Dedra turning episode because up to this point, like, she's been, like, rising through the ranks, and we've been just like, yeah, get it, girl, good, get it, girl, and then she, she's, once she's in power, she shows you her true side, and to quote Denise Gao, actually, she said that she's a woman in a man's world, but she's still a fascist in a fascist world, so this goes from, like, yeah, you go, girl, beat those boys, to, oh, God, Detra, no, stop torturing pigs, and it's such a fun switch for that, and how they help like make the audience feel well, if you, those if you're things. gonna get in the head of the boys world you gotta outboy the boys so yeah <laughs> very much so so i just and i love that she's, kind of she's switch. up for it you know i mean she's good at it so she's you know she's 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 going for it there i love how this show really shows how these guys you know just drink it up from the guy who gave him the demonstration of the floor in the last episode it's sitting there going <laughs> yeah you know like while he's doing it and getting all like horned up about it before he does it what the fuck to, are you talking to, about and when they when they first get to the prison the guy's like explaining to him what oh, the rules guy, are and, yeah and he's like all pasty faced and like you know sickly looking and just like Thin lips going, yum, 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 yum. I, here I get to push the button, yeah, <laughs> you know, and he's like, like when they're all writhing, he's like, mm, yum, 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 <laughs> and, uh, you know, De- De- Dedra's got that, it's, what's funny is so far, Cyril doesn't really have that, <laughs> Cyril's all just way too on himself, but we'll get to that, that, that later, but like, yeah, I like, I love how it shows how, you know, basically these guys are just getting, you know, they're getting their excuse and, um, well, not even an excuse. It's, it, they're getting full reign to be, to be, to indulge their just worst, <laughs> worst aspects, you know, their worst aspects become their selling points. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, uh, 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 oh, one thing that uh, Denise, not Denise, Detro says while torturing Brick, she talks about Salmon Pack. And she said that Salmon Pack originally met with a woman uh, uh, in a separatist meeting who convinced him to act as a liaison on Ferex. That woman has to be Clea, right? Right. That's what I thought. Yeah, because if it's not Clea, then I doubt it's Val, Vel or Cinta. Because they're the only other two women we know about in Luther's right. group. And it definitely would not be Mon Mothma. But I don't think it's Vel Cinta because they are not familiar enough with Ferex. Because last episode they get to Ferex and they're just trying to figure out who like Bix and Brasso are. Right, right. So, yeah, it, it's got to be Clea. Which kind of, like, throws extra, like, some gasoline on my Clea as the real access. <laughs> Clea was like, hey, put that, like, uh, radio there and uh, you can call my friend. So. Uh, the dread of watching Olaf struggling knowing his death is coming is sad. Yeah, that actor really is good at playing, you know. Dying. Yeah, die, sweaty and and just, like. Dying, but fighting it, you know, he's fighting mm-hmm. it the best that he can, but you can just see the weakness in his entire body, you know. The mind like is strong, thing. but the flesh is weak. But the mind's not even that strong, because he keeps forgetting what numbers they're on, and they're like, that's we're on true. this number, Olaf. He's like, I know! Right, Which is right, also but very that's... realistic if you ever have, like, your older relative who is forgetful, like, that frustration does come out. Well, when you're on your way to a massive stroke, too, he's probably having little episodes, you know. Mm-hmm. He's probably having little mini strokes leading up to it, and that will affect your memory. But, yeah, he's try he's trying to do... I mean, what else can you do at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, that actor is, really, as you said, is really good. I think it's Christopher Fairchild, I think his name is. Um, I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Uh, he is really good at playing Slowly Dying. <laughs> Good job, sir. You're in your paycheck. Um, okay, so I have a series of keynote notes, but I'm going to go through them by act. And so I'm sort of doing them all at once. So starting with this one. Um, this is in particular pertaining to when he comes up to Olaf and he's just like, Olaf, you only have like 41 more days. And what's fascinating about that to me is Kino gets personal hope and belief from that number, the number that tells him how many days left are on his sentence. And this is why he gets so mad at Melshi last episode. And Melshi right. is like, never look at the number. It's not it's not real. And he goes after Melshi. Um, but he uses that in a way that to inspire others with this like false hope. And it's it's part of his character journey because he so desperately wants to believe that this system is working. He so desperately wants his freedom that he is trusting the system that is treating him horribly and ignoring him and treats him like garbage. And as Cassian says, they're replaceable. They're cheaper than droids. And he yep. trusts it so much that it's becoming detrimental which then in turn slides into my Mon Mothma joke, my Mon Mothma joke, my Mon Mothma notes, because Mon is in that same place. 
only at a different level and prestige and privilege because she so desperately wants to believe the Senate is useful. And she even says the Senate is a temple. It is sacred. And I am sure that's something that she really does believe in. That's something that came from the Republic. But they're not in the Republic anymore. Their system is breaking down. That's, and that's what that's what I'm going to talk about that in, in part three. Yeah. And that's what P.O.R.D. did to this prison sentence. Because Melshi said last episode, now that P.O.R.D. is here, we're never getting out. Before P.O.R.D., that number probably did mean something. It probably yep. did mean that in 41 days, Olaf got out. That in like 200-something days, that Kino would get out. But not anymore. It's all changed. And so the system is breaking down for both of them. And this like moral code, maybe it's not a moral code, but they like these beliefs that they that Mon and Kino both so strongly want to know and hope that work is causing them actually more trouble. And it's uh, and, and I'm gonna put a pen in that and come back to it in Act Two. Um, but I do think that's a very key moment for Mon's character because I think she's starting to realize the Senate is useless. And she's starting to see that she's wasting her time. She's just wasting uh, her breath, yeah. Yeah. So, the, 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 anything about those thoughts? <laughs> I'll take that as a no. <laughs> no, no. Negatory. Uh, uh, do I have any... Is that my last one? No, no. Um... So uh, the only other note I have is uh, when Cassian makes his run to go like file the pipe. So I remember it, it's so it hits differently on a rewatch versus um, um, the first time I watched it. Because the first time I watched it, all the other prisoners are watching him do it. And I was just like, ooh, I wonder if someone's going to rat them out. But like now that I've like seen it, and I know what happens. Everyone's watching because they're like, go Cassian, go. We believe in you. <laughs> they're all just like, it's so it's happening. And it's so it's so interesting to watch like them all in on it versus the the first time when I'm just like, ooh, tension <laughs> that I created that's not actually there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought they were gonna I'd like the what what's his name? Burnock? Uh yeah, Burnock. Like Burnock's like watching him and like walks over there too. And I was just like, oh, is he about to get ratted out? And then they like turn, they're like, hey, look at the lack of guns and the no shoes. And like, you, the, you can touch the railing, I told you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they're all in on it. So it's really good because there's, uh, again, playing with tropes where I'm just like, ooh, tension, no tension, cool. <laughs> anyway, that's all I have for Act One. You ready? I'm ready. Ah. <clears throat> uh, it turns out that Cinta's little digs about Vel being a rich girl had weight to it because Vel is Mon Mothma's cousin. Surprise! Everyone listen up. I'm very proud of this joke. Listen. Vel shows up living that PTB sink life, giving elaborate gifts to Lita. PTB Sync is pretending to be single income, no kids, which is what a spy dink aunt would do. I still so <laughs> myself. Shut up. I thought I like sat there for like two whole minutes and thought about that. I had 
pretending to be single income kids with no kids versus a dink life. I'm a dink life. That's what I'm shooting for. Anyway, when Lena arrives, Lena's like, oh, well, hi, Aunt Belle. Cool. I love this dress. Also, mom sucks. Also, I'm going to go turn and put on this dress. Okay, bye. And Lena leaves. And Mon and Vel are just like, ah, they grew up so fast. Anyway, how are you doing in your rebellion? And Mon is like, the Senate sucks. How are you doing? You've been gone for a very long time. And she's like, well, I know. I've been doing rebel-like things. And uh, she's like, and Mon is like, hey, so I'm really uh, sucks. Uh, I'm really mad at Luthen. He kind of sucks about all this. And I miss you, and I want you to be saved. And then Vel has the audacity to throw Cinta's line about how the Empire doesn't sleep and they take what's left right back in Mon's face. And Mon is just like, I feel like you, you got that from someone else because you're a sweet girl, sweetie. And Vel just plays dumb, not knowing who Luthen is. And she silences Mon's concerns when Lita runs back in and she's just like, hi, look at my dress. And they're like, oh, you look cute. Anyway, back at the prison, it's dinner time. And all the prisoners are just enjoying their meal. And Cassian is just like, Kino, 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 do you ever think about escaping? Kino, Kino. Just Kino. <laughs> Kino's like, what? <laughs> He's like, do you ever think about escaping? And Kino's refusing to answer. And Cassian needs to know, like, a very specific piece of intel that only Kino knows, because Kino is allowed to leave their little bubble space, which we find out later on in this episode. And he, Cassian needs to know how many guards on each level. And Kino's like, I'm not going to tell you because we're not getting out of here. And if I tell you, they might kill me because they're listening. And Cassian's like, listening? This is the Empire. They don't give a fuck about us. Nobody's listening, exclamation point. And then everyone turns to the camera and does the Pee Wee Herman thing because it's the episode title. And Kino ignores Cassian and goes to sleep. Meanwhile, uh... At the ISB, Dedra must have some really good frequent flyer miles because, my God, she's bouncing back and forth between Ferrix and the Coruscant a lot, and she's probably going to have a nice trip to Niamos pretty soon. Anyway, so they're having a meeting with Major Partagaz, and he, she's just like, hey, the child-killing t- torture worked on Bix. Here's a big list of things that we were looking for, but there's no Luthen. And they're like, who's Luthen? And we're like, I don't know. And out of nowhere, Lonnie, the redhead ISB agent, is suddenly getting the camera pointed at him a lot. And he's just like, oh, and this is about that uh, that Cassian Andor guy? And Detra's like, it's funny that you're talking more. Why is that? And Lonnie's like, no reason for next episode. <laughs> it's not like I am a spy for Axis or anything. And they all have a good laugh about it. <laughs> And then uh, Dedra's like, anyway, Lonnie aside, uh, we know that Cassian is connected to all this, and we sure do think he's connected to Aldani. And part of Gaz is like, Aldani? That's a lot. And her boy toy hurts is just like, Cassian shaved! And they all stop and they look at him. He's like, he shaved his face at Aldani, and he shaved his face here, and they, you know, they didn't kill all the soldiers. So people recognized him, and they went, oh, that, that's a good lead. And here, Hurt just, like, points at Dedra, and they just give each other finger guns. They're like, we're having a really good day today. Yeah. And Dedra's like, we're in, and we're also going to use Marva as bait. Bum, bum, bum. Anyway, back at the prison. 
we start kind of finding out what's happening on level two. Because uh, the night shift is going back on and they're just like, hey, everyone on level two is dead day shift. And they were fried, which is why the lights flickered. That was a hundred men dying. And Kina's like, shut up. They're like, no, it's true. And he's like, shut up, really. Shut, shut up. It's fine. We're going to work our jobs. It's fine. Hey, you other superior guy whose name I don't remember. Is it true? And the other superior is like, yeah, I saw it with my own eyes because I had to go down there and help clean it up. And Kino has this like a look of like, oh, God. And Melshi, being the, the sneaky shit he is because I love him. Melshi's like, well, they're dead, so at least they're all free. And Kino fucking goes after Melshi for the second time in this arc. And Cass is like, stop punching Melshi. The guards can't know we know, or then we're all dead. And Kino is just like, everyone, shut up. It's a rumor. We don't want to believe it. This is just another day shift. It's fine. But Kino looks shook, baby. He is shooken. Meanwhile, it's time to check in with sad boy Incel, Cyril Karn, who is living with his mother still and is uh, getting chewed out by his mother. And uh, she apparently found his private box and he is miffed about it. And she chews him out until he says that she's been promoted. And then she's suddenly like, oh, good, good. Then we won't talk about what I saw in the private box. And she pours him more Coca Puffs. Uh, back finally with the one percent. Uh, Vel is having dinner with the family, and parents just like, "Yes, Vel, you're looking very single over there. Have you sucked any good dicks lately?" And Vel's like, "Ha ha 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 ha! Fuck you, Perrin. Uh, no, but uh, I had the most delicious clams the other day. You should try them sometimes, Cl- uh, uh, Perrin." Clams are great. So delicious. He's like, yeah, I guess. They're just not really for me. And Mon's like, I know, Perrin. I know you don't like clams. Anyway, uh, it's a very relatable scene. And Mon smiles. And Lita's just like, I love clams. They're like, don't talk, sweetie. She's like, well, can we talk about Takoma as mom's old boyfriend? And Mon is like, where did this come from? I'm sorry, Tay is not my boyfriend. And... Mon, dear, from me to you, let's get real talk here for a second. Hi, my name's Hope. You don't know me. You're a fictional character. I know you're running a rebellion, but your daughter thinks you're cheating on your husband. So, like, maybe for the sake of the rebellion, spend, like, two minutes with your daughter. Like, give your kid some attention for two seconds for the sake of the rebellion to make your life a easier because that child's gonna rat your ass out just Although, I gotta say it might be a good it might be a good idea to have people think that she is having an affair with him because that would explain why they spend time together and what they're up to better to have him thinking that they're up to nookie instead of bad banking Mon, I know you're a fictional character. Hi, I hope. Ignore everything I just said. Anyway, long story short, afterwards, after dinner, Mon and Vel are just like, well, we're going to be, be big stress now, and uh, good luck with your rebellion thing. And she's like, aw, thanks, babe. Good luck with your rebellion. Enjoy eating your clams. And they just do their little richy kissy, uh, rich kiss thing, and Vel leaves to go for the rich girl thing, and Mon is all sad. And she has some excellent back acting. 
because she shot from behind and like you can just see all her emotions and that was some damn good back acting and of act two and just to add to, to to that now that i just thought of it it would it um having an affair would also feed into the narrative of her husband being a completely you know un, unsalvageable gambling addict Mm-hmm. At, to the point of where she actually even had to had to sort of ask her boyfriend for a little money to get her husband out of debt. You know what I'm saying? You know mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So so it 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 might actually work. You know, work out for her. like like she's kind of sacrificing her daughter, <laughs> like a, or sacrificing an honest relationship with her daughter with everybody <laughs> for for this. For, very much like we'll get a speech about that coming up sometime soon. Oh, I'm sure that they have a nice Genevieve O'Reilly, like Luthen style. Like I've given up everything. Well, no, I'm saying we got the Luthen speech coming up to just sort. But that 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 position is sort of what a bunch, a lot of characters are in in this in this story. Um, I I just love how the Empire is like we could save resources by. Having the prisoners govern themselves, govern themselves. The doctor isn't even like an imperial doctor. He's just like uh, another prisoner who's medically trained enough to. I, I I get the idea that there's three things that'll happen to you there if if the doctor comes. He'll give or four things. He'll give you a tranquilizer to make you go to sleep for a little while and rest it off. He'll give you some speed to keep you going. They'll give you a painkiller so that you can work through the pain or you get the the uh, the last the 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 final shot. And that's mm-hmm. about that's about all the the medicine he needs to know to admit. And can it, uh, you saw his I mean, medical you know, you saw his medical pack. It wasn't very uh, it wasn't very big. <laughs> it didn't have yeah. a lot of stuff, a lot of options in it. And so it. it uh but like it's it's really interesting how it's like oh look how efficient this is but you get to also see how that turns around and bites them in there you know works works even worse against them um i also like how the the nobody's listening line it like refers to the story but it's also sort of like this is the phase of andor is like nobody's listening about like the fascism of the empire and this is the the show of where people start paying attention. I mean, uh, this is kind of like for for some like before we started recording, me and Chris spent about twenty minutes bitching about the government because hey, nobody's listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, um um the doctor, but- and I like how the doctor is sort of the doctor is. It seems like they've just got a doctor. <laughs> they didn't get a doctor for each level or anything, because this doctor is also the. the Are you on your X three notes? Because we're not there yet. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, you're just right. like because you, I was like, you talk no, about the doctor a lot. No, I have a do- I have an X three note that that is that is actually sort of poked up above my Act two notes. So, so my only other Act two notes have to do with some of my favorite parts of this series, which are Cyril's conversations with his mother. I love his, I love, God. what's in his private box. Oh my God. That I have that line. You've been in my private. That's one thing. That's just, 
that's just some, one of the most awkward lines spoken between a mother and a son that like, it's just so it's just like, you really could have put that in a better way. You've been inside my private box. You want to know what I think the private box is? It's I just, think, as, it's what, like, what do you think little, the private box is? It's like a little locker that a teenager would have in their room with their combination on it. And then they keep all, you know, they may, you know, and when they're, when, when they're a little kid, they keep their gum and candy in it. And when they're a teenager, they keep their porno or spanky mags in it or whatever, or their diary or whatever. But that, wh- why, what do you think it is? I think that's where he keeps his little hollow image of Cassian and his mother might think he's gay. Uh, oh, <laughs> Because he's like, she comes Cassian. out and she's like, you're just really nice and your hair is trimmed and stuff like that. And she, he's like, you've been in my private box, mom. So I think she thinks like, are you on a date? <laughs> Go on a date with a boy? Because he's obsessing. Because why would he keep that kind of information out in the open for her to find? Like that's really secret intel that he is obsessing over. Doesn't he say something to her about Dedra a little bit though, or something that like? I don't remember. She sort of gets that like, ooh, he's got a girlfriend. What? Um. I don't. I don't think so. Because after, because. There's next week's episode. Which oh, is no, I know what it is. I No, yeah, no, I know what it is. She notices he's all dressed. He's really, like, yeah. dressing sharp and acting, acting Weird. perky. So she, she def- no, she, I think she definitely picks up, like, you're looking good for somebody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, uh, and another thing that sort of adds to your theory about her being maybe from an organized crime family and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, unc- what, what, what's his name? Uncle, uh, the, the uncle anyway, uh, you know, Harlow? Uncle Harlow will be so proud of you and stuff like that. Maybe they want to, maybe they, they're the crime family, like wants him to be a mole in the, you know, use him eventually possibly as a, a mole in the, or as a, or somebody to get, get I mean, garter influence, but he's working a government job. So that would make yeah, yeah. sense of like, Hey, work your way up in this low level government job yeah. and give us intel. Yeah. And, and, and the way the mother speaks is, you know, it's different from the rich people that Mon Mothma is speaking the well, or, you oh, know, it is very connected. firmly in the middle class. She's, she's not rich. She's in the middle class, but she's connected to, but she has like, some for like that sort of she has a very formal way of speaking but it's also very plain it it, it, it that's maybe why this reminds me of tarantino and kubrick and you know more so K- tarantino because it's got that the, the characters in that are often like organized criminal organized crime people you know who have that like you know, they're businessmen or whatever, and they have to communicate, but they're also like, you know, sort of like it's this mid thing between play like thugs and and, you know, formal people. And and another thing that's kind of nice in it is Cyril's mom is capable of being happy with him and expressing that that is very rare in this sort of relationship portrayal of this sort of relationship are you kidding me that it is it is usually like usually when you have the mom that you can't please you can't please her even him no. get, it usually has a it usually had like she'd be like oh that's good that you got um promoted i hope you don't screw it up or something this one she's 
she shows her pleasure, you know, she's sort of, you know, it sort of bubbles up out of her, but like Cyril gets to see that his mom is, is, you know, she's like, Oh, uncle Harlow, you know, she was like, well, and and then she goes that you have, then she acknowledges that he has talent and, and, or potential, you know, and Chris, that's an abuse tactic. That is. So, cause like, Edie spends this whole time like she calls him very specific. He she calls him an investment, and that's yes. everything you need to know about their relationship. And she she's putting him down in the time that she thinks that he's failing. She calls him a shadow of a son, a tenant, and a stranger. And the moment he's like, "I got a promotion," she then switches on the the abuse tactic of praising him because that's what she wants. It's it's a praise abuse. Yeah, where when he does what I she mean, but wants, very rarely do you see a por- like uh, I, I, I I I I will accept yes uh, okay that's you're right that sounds yeah, like it's like how you train a how you train a dog with like treats she's like I will yeah. give you praise when you're doing what I want you to be but the moment he starts not doing that she's gonna start beating him down again and positive and negative reinforcement like, there we go reinforcement. It's, it's positive reinforcement yes. it's an abuse tactic. Yes. And that's exactly what's happening. But there. usually usually you see like the the positive reinforcement is tinged with also, you know, because there's oh because that it's usually portrayed as, you know, you never you never let him get the carrot. So it's like, yes, I'm pleased, don't screw this, you know, there's something there's you know there's always a but added to it and this one she's it's just like she's just very happy and and you know maybe this is more realistic in situations like that judging by other stuff in andor but yeah okay it's a little thing of like also like the thing of her pouring the cocoa puffs at the end she's like have more cocoa puffs sweetie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that little detail (laughs) yeah yeah but and 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 also in the but in the yeah 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 but that's all i got for act two um and the challenge. Oh, oh no! I have one more line. I love the. I love the like. You need to meet a widower. <laughs> like, uh, okay, so let's start with parents. So so condescending and awesome. I've I, as someone who's who's you know I was in a in a band. I've hung out with a lot of lesbians and had many awkward moments like that where somebody does like, wow, why don't you have a boyfriend to help you walk across the street and then like go, oh boy. <laughs> that <laughs> working in store like i had this one customer in particular who i'm gonna bring up again probably in act three because he's the one who used to touch me um nice girls, guys old... girls love that shit they yeah. love just doing <laughs> don't know. Uh, he was an old southern gentleman too which means like he was just like why don't you have a nice husband to take care of you and not yeah. work and I'm just like, oh, and and he, and he gets away with it because everybody goes, he's just a touchy, he's just a kind old guy who's a little, you know, that's the way he was raised is to be touchy, to touch you, to touchy touch you. It's 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 fine. Oh, uh, but uh, that scene with Perrin asking Val if she has a husband makes me scream because it is so fucking relatable, so fucking relatable. Even if I like, 
even if I wasn't queer, like the moment I was like 21, I had people asking me as a woman when I'm getting married from like the time I was 21 to about 25 ish. Yeah, well, nowadays that doesn't mean getting a husband. And now at 25-ish to now, people are just like, are you getting a little old to still be single? And I'm like, why can't I just be a single lady with my cats? Uh, Hope, have you thought about your eggs lately? What, what What's the state of your eggs? Are your eggs okay? Uh, you think you might want to fertilize those things pretty soon? Because, I mean, no, you know. I will sell them to science. Actually, ladies. I shouldn't just say ladies. I should say people who have ovaries. People who have ovaries, guess what? You're, you can sell your eggs for like $2,000 an egg. Get that shit. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, though it is, it, has a, it is a minor surgery, so, you know, do your research. But, um, oh, that parent scene makes me mad. <laughs> oh, my fellow gays out there, haven't you been at that awkward family dinner <laughs> when your person has been like, why aren't you dating a straight? Woo! Well, it makes you wonder what kind of... Uh... What kind of dick is he? Is he is he a dick that just doesn't know? I think he just doesn't know because the way. But I don't know. Felt... Very, but is it? But like it's the Star Wars. It's the Star Wars galaxy where apparently there's no reason. To yeah. Be, to be like I'm, you know, there's no, there's gonna be no problem. There's no homophobia in Star Wars, right? Which is there's, interesting. there's no, there's nobody thinks about it, so. Like, and he's married to Mon Mothma, and at some point, he might have, you know, you would think he would have said something. She'd been like, "Uh, darling, I don't think you've noticed. Maybe you didn't notice. He's clearly known Vel since he was 15, because that's that's when he married Mon. So that's what makes me think he's being a double douchebag of just pretending to be obtuse about it and just be like, yeah, you know, I I think he, he, you know, he's. He's being a super asshole where it's not just like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about and he's being being a dick because he's dumb. I think he just knows and he knows it's just a little like, hey, screw you, because she doesn't seem like the kind of person who's like going to pretend that she likes him. You know, she'll probably get along with him because she has to exist here's, there, here's but my she, they probably don't really care for each other too much, you know? No, that's OK. Most people don't like Karen. Here's my thought on the matter. It might not be a Star Wars thing. It might be a Shandrillan thing. Because everything we hear about Shandrilla from mm-hmm. Lita's cult yes. of Girl Scouts to them getting married, like a very yes. traditional, quote-unquote, traditional marry at 15. Point. It might just be a Shandrillan thing where they believe in more traditional, like, man and women marriages. And well, actually, is, in this universe or in this galaxy, it wouldn't even be traditional. They would it would just be sort of like, well, it would be tradition. Well, traditional Shandrillin. Yeah. OK. Yeah. 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 And so that might be that, that that might be an angle there. That that makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot more sense than what I was thinking. I can promise you, Charles agreed with you. He fucking hates parents. <laughs> <laughs> That comment almost made it into our feedback this week, Charles, about how much you hate parent, and I decided to wait until next well, week. Well, <laughs> he takes he takes on the body language of like Prince John, or you know, just the e- the evil prince in all the movies with evil princes, where they sit on a chair with one leg one leg crossed jauntily over their knees, and they sort of scooch down and eat an apple when they're t- you know when they're talking. They're just sort of like. Cockily, 
you know, ensconced in their chair, just being like, you should marry a widower. <laughs> Fuck you, dick. You know? So, yeah, he's he, and he's got and he's got actually like sort of like, um, you know, the the bastard prince hair hairdo, you know. He's got kind of a Jedi hairdo, actually. I will say I looked up a picture of uh, Perrin's actor clean shaven and I didn't even recognize him. I was yeah, yeah. like, you look different, sir. <laughs> you look like you're not a dick. <laughs> I'm sure you're very lovely in real life. <laughs> they have uh, special makeup artists that make people look like dicks in Hollywood, so it's no problem. They can yeah. take the nicest person and make them look like a complete asshole. Uh, uh, where are my notes? In my most shallowest of notes, when Mon first arrives <laughs> and like Vel is giving Lita the dress, I fucking love Vel's pants outfit. Well, there's nobody that can wear a pants outfit like a lesbian. That's no, she looks fucking amazing. It has a nice like blue tunic with like the brown pants. Oh, I love that outfit. I want it. Give it to me. Let me buy it. Lucasfilm, put it on sale. Her universe, make a really nice like fancy version so I can have it in my closet. (laughs) Really, you know, really, that should be something the film studios. I mean, it would be a more upscale thing, but they should have like a clothing line that's based upon you know, prop clothing in popular movies and TV shows, you know. I know that there's people that will make, like, replica, you know, yeah, outfits like and stuff. But they could, they could have the, you know, they could take the, they could take the, you know, original patterns that they made and, and, yeah. And when people go, I love that outfit, you know, it could, they could, you know, Pretty soon they'll be just tracing that on, a, you know, at the end of the episode. What do you think of the outfits on this episode? In the future, yes. you might be able to just touch outfits on the screen to when when you see things that you like, you could touch them on the screen and then they'll make it they'll, they'll make it if enough people touch it. Yeah. Uh, the audacity of Vel using Cinta's line on her on Mon. The audacity. Oh, oh, totally. I love that, though. But that's what that. That's why I love it. I gotta say, everybody in the world does that shit. That's that's how people pick up. You know, she's she's learning from her, but she's not there. But it's she's more there than Mon Mothma, so she can pull it off. I yeah, I love that too. Yeah, I I don't. If you want to hear, like, Chris had a really good take on Vel last week. And if you haven't missed last week about, like, this scene, um, it was in our conversation with Vel and Senta uh, uh, from last week's episode. Go listen to it because he had a really nice breakdown about Vel versus Senta versus Vel versus Mon, which is why I didn't go into it because Chris pretty much covered it last week. And it was a really good conversation. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Um. I love that it's really clear that Vel and Mon both know that the other is doing rebel things, but they're both on a need-to-know basis that they don't mm-hmm. know what the other person's doing. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and that would stress you the fuck out. <laughs> Obviously, it does both yeah. of them. It's like, yeah. Um, a few weeks ago, we were talking about how um, we were wondering if Mon went to Luthen or if Luthen went to Mon. I think this episode confirmed that Luthen went to Mon because she's the one that tells Val, I'm starting to think we're in over our heads. He got, he's got a spinning and then Val cuts her off, which makes it sound like Luthen is the one that has them doing this. So that tells me that he came to them first. 
Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it's just me like connecting these little things. I'm gonna finish my t- the rest of my tiny notes before I get into my like one big keynote note. Um, I like the continuing growing of like the Empire's hubris. It just continues growing on that episode three line from Cassian of just like they're so fat and satisfied they never see a person like me walk into their house. And so like the whole thing about like. Of course, the Empire would not be listening to jail cells and have their monitoring systems. Of course, they wouldn't. But what I find interesting here is everything in Andor is going to change after this. So, you know, after they break out next week, all Imperial jail cells suddenly are monitored and have listening systems for stuff like Rebels. Mm-hmm. And that's why actually one of the things that I find interesting is like how the show is going to be inferring the later Empire. Um because everything that goes wrong for them basically is just like the empire going, "Oops, our mistake." Now we're watching the empire's learning this. process. <laughs> we're, yep, the yep. fascist learning process, fascist learning curve. Uh, I love noticing Lonnie doing spy things on my second watch through. Like I never notice how much the camera lingers on Lonnie. Uh huh. And like now, like since I know he's a spy, I'm just like, look at him, look at Lonnie. That like the first time through, I was just like. I remember just like when he has that big scene with Luthen, I was watching like going, who the fuck is this guy who just came out of nowhere? And then I didn't realize he'd been in the show the whole time <laughs> because he was just there and staring at him episode after episode. I There's so many characters like this, though, which is like why when I've been doing my intros, I've been doing like the like the character background information and stuff like that. I've been writing the way I have been because I don't really, these characters are also filmed normally, and it's filmed in a way, kind of like what I was talking about last week. It's filmed in a way like, Melshi's here, but there's no bells and whistles about Melshi being here. It's not like, oh, Melshi's here. Like, there's, it's filmed in a way where he's just a guy. And Lonnie is just a guy that Denise, Denise, Dedra works with. And, like, that's why it works. Because I didn't notice Lonnie at all mm-hmm. until he's suddenly talking with Luthen. I'm like, wait, this guy's been here the entire fucking time. Um, and that's why the show works really much. Uh-huh. Really well, much. Well, I mean, wow, like they, they talk about him before. They talk about that they have a guy there. So you know somebody there is there. But you don't really th- you don't really think about it till the second time through. Like the first time through, yeah. I wasn't going like, I wonder which one of these guys is their inside guy. I probably should have been. You know, but as somebody paying attention, but you're not, you're paying attention to other things that they're putting in front of you. But yeah, yeah but it was there the whole time, you know. And, that, and like, that's why I was saying, like, when I do my character intros, I've been introducing them of like, this is Captain so and so. He's not important now, but he's the guy that kicks over B2 emo in the last episode. It's, it's like, a good, good argument he's here the for, whole time, but you don't really notice him until he's like kicking over B2 emo, and then you're just like, fucking kill him. Yeah. It's a, it's a good argument for having a beginning, middle, and end, and knowing how you're gonna get there, you know. Yeah. But and and that's I mean, like I find out about I found out that like Breaking Bad, which I don't know if I don't think you watched Breaking Bad, but like no. one of the greatest TV shows ever ever done, and so very much like Andor, interlocked, but many 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 seasons, and they didn't really know how they were gonna end it, and. And then and but you're watching it going like, man, this is like some really intricately plotted and planned stuff. And then you find out later, no, not really. There were points like the the last writer strike kind of saved it because they had to stop production and it gave them time to go like, 
yeah, shit, how are we going to save this? You know, we don't know what we're doing. We got to figure out what we're, we're doing going forward here. You're and the like, second person this week to come to me and tell me how the writer's strike fixed Breaking Bad. Yeah, because there's a writer's strike going on, and I'm sure there's I know, a lot of people telling that story. But it's really that funny story. that it's specifically Breaking that's Bad. Where I, that's where I just heard it. <laughs> so people are just watching, like we're watching maybe the same news stories or the same stories going around and this all This was the- my stepmom, because apparently they were supposed to kill a character, but because the writer's strike happened, they actually started yes. thinking about the character, and they're like, no, yeah. we need to keep this character around. Which is exactly what I heard in my in the story okay. I, we might we might have read the read the same well then you uh, and my stepmom read the same thing <laughs> yeah it's very possible or it just ma- is making its rounds in all the articles and stuff which that'll do but yeah yeah but that 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 happened but like i the the way this is this is planned out but they but they also know that this is two seasons and they know what their they know what their end is for it they know where it's headed they know what they want to say with it and that's a rare thing with a TV series where they're like, hey, here's a TV series. It's only going to be two seasons, though, you know, so it's 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 one of the advantages in this particular case of being in this new fluid stage of media where people are experimenting around with like, hey, maybe having a a, a great two season show is a good thing because it because they noticed stuff like lost you know which <laughs> made a shitload which was very successful and they kept saying well we have an end for it but they probably had an end for it after like three or four seasons and were or whatever or whatever but or they just lied and then it ends in a in a, in a train wreck and everybody's pissed off with it you know that's why i've never watched lost is because i watched everybody going this is great and i thought oh i'll be able to binge this someday you know and look forward to it and then i watched everybody go like what the fuck oh no and i was like oh well <laughs> i guess i didn't i i guess i wisely did not invest my time and and energy into this I got about so, three seasons and I was just like, they're just adding more questions and no answers. Because, yeah, because it was very lucrative, you know, and it's like, it's like well, let's just keep this formula going as long as we can until, you know, the, the plan was probably keep it going as long as we can until we it starts flagging and then we can end it. And that will give it an extra little boost to go out on or whatever. But mm-hmm. that's what I got to say. What's been actually really interesting is... um. Charles uh, has been doing a rewatch of Game of Thrones, and he's been like occasionally like giving me bits about it. And he's just like, "You'll be surprised what parts are really good and what's really bad because it's the opposite of what you remember." <laughs> mm, I can see that because you have the total picture. It's just such a long rewatch that like it's going to be a long time before before I do that. I haven't watched the new one either. The the I dragons think his update one today was he's in season five and he's like, "This is a fucking train wreck." Yeah, it starts to be it, it. The Walking Dead suffered the same fate, you know, very popular. And it's all of a sudden when it's something's popular and like it's actually like bringing in the money for that particular, you know, um, venue that it's on. I can't remember right off the bat which station that Walking Dead was on, but it became their cash cow. And then it's just like then it becomes more like suits going how can we make this 
<laughs> you know, keep paying off more and more for our stockholders. And then the show just starts milking stuff and losing what made it made it good and you know playing tropes over and over and over again you know and uh so i'm very happy that this is only going to be two seasons i'm going to be sad that um it, it it's over but like i ha- i have a feeling it'll be just this beautiful little complete story that will stand up to like repeated viewing after viewing after viewing so I'm ho- I'm hoping that maybe in the course of time that like that becomes more normal. Mm-hmm. Cuz I would love more shows like this. <laughs> I just don't, don't want it to be the opposite like what's been happening on a lot in animation where they've been canceled too early without being having the chance to develop because it takes longer. So Well, if yeah. you only have them two seasons and maybe you can avoid that. Maybe two seasons is is the extent of the um attention span. Uh, maybe we'll start seeing like shows doing two seasons and if they actually have two more seasons of story uh, they'll they'll end up like possibly selling their show their next two seasons to you know netflix instead of hbo or it's not really a two like an attention span thing it's a ceo's not understanding how animation works and function thing so well, it's CEO's attention span. Is what That's I, true. Yeah, That's it's valid. not the viewer's attention Children span. have a much better attention span than CEOs. Because children don't have a concept of money. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to this. Uh, my last of my uh, two minor notes before I talk about Kino again. I evil ship Dedrin Hurts. I know I've said it before, but I love when he was just like... I'm going to defend you by talking about how Cassian shaves. And she looks back and she's just like, you're the best. He's like, I know. Like, oh, I just want the. the- he's, he's turning into Radar from MASH. I don't know if you ever watched the TV, but MASH was, Radar was like the, the you know, the command, the base command, the hospital, the medical, you know, the army hospitals, commanding officers, right hand man. And he would literally, you know, the guy would be listing off what Radar had to do and Radar would be telling him what he just did just one step ahead of when he would be telling him what he needed to do. So and they would have this like overlapping conversation. And that's what he you know, he was just like and and she's like, send the torture doctor off to talk to that guy. He's like, oh, I already sent him, (laughs) you know, and you could see a girl like, oh. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so yeah, she's got a good note. He he gets her. So he's he's yeah, on do. he's on the game and yeah. He is. He's on her game. I want him so, to blow his load on her and then flick off Cyril in the car. She was she was just like, wait a minute, and then she's like, you know what? You're gonna be Watson now. Ugh. Let's I go, Watson. Him. I want them to evil fuck, and I want him to, like, I want Cyril to be standing in the corner watching and her just staring him in the eye as he bangs Tedra, just like, fucking cuck. <laughs> oh, boy. Jeez, just saying that word puts hope into a fit of giggles. You're drunk. I am not drunk. I don't listen. Okay. Who Screamy Hope is coming out and Screamy Hope only does happen when I'm drunk, but I'm not drinking. It's just seltzer water. No, it's just the image of like 
hurt very aggressively, thrusting into Dedra while staring Cyril dead in the eye like a fucking dog humping a leg. Just like, I fucking dare you to come over here, you cuck. He, lo- he loves uh, that shit. He loves that shit. Anyway, back to... <laughs> Why do you guys listen to us? Why? Anyway, um, my last episode, um, podcast you know, note number one five seven says never say that in your podcast. Oh, I just said I am I fired? No, I'm just gonna dock you a week's pay. It's fine. We get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Well, then I'd be on. I'd be on a much better behavior, Chris. No, this we've just been keeping all your money like, in a in a trust fund in the Cayman Islands. It's it's fine. It's safe. This is good. If, anyway, if, Hope, anyway, anyway, let's just change the subject from money to Hope is about to give her keynote speech. We have one more tiny note. Oh. But I'm gonna give that why that is a funny joke. We're all I looking realized, forward to I just realized what you speech. said. That was funny. It was funny. Um, I'm gonna do this Don't in the voice of help. this is Don't how this podcast what? Don't patronize me, Hope. Uh, this is how this podcast would sound if we actually got paid and we're professionals. <clears throat> so, and my next note is, uh, Melshi and Nemec, I think they would be really good friends if they actually had the chance to meet. And it's a shame that they never met each other. They would just, they have such similar kind of character types. And, and I do, I can't do it. I can't fucking do it. Uh, yeah, they'd be such bros, like Melshi and Nimic. They'd just be like, yeah, let's like talk. I, I, there's a moment where like Melshi was just like, they're dead, so at least they're free. And I was like, Nimic would say that shit. <laughs> yeah, Mel, Mel, Melchi, Melchi's not as nerdy about it as Nimic. He's a little older, but he's, he's down with, with rebellion. He's got the, he's got the, the, um, the, like the theory in his head you know he's like you know we have to fight this you know he's got it set and said that's that's why he's gonna you know that's why he turned up in red rogue one you know there, that's what his his character is obviously going to be you know on, on the on the ball and i love that they don't you know like you said he's just a character in this and they just they just let it let it sort of roll along without being like this guy's hey rogue one rogue one right here melchie yeah. rogue one and especially since melchie is like a minor character in rogue one like he's one of those characters that like 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 the veers you know like you're just like like it, people who like veers like it's a super nerdy kind of thing you know it's yeah. like very casual fans would just be like oh he has a cute bucket head um but all right now hit me with that kino joke Oh, here it comes. It's Hope's keynote speech. Hey! <laughs> uh, this is also like also in the vein of Mon Mothma, but I framed it. But Mon Mothma is very much in this as well. Um, I what I find about interesting about keynote story in this episode is it's actually a very Star Wars thing, but they're turning that Star Wars trope all on its head because Kino has hope. He has a lot of hope. He has 270 days, 17 days left until his freedom. And he's so desperate to hold on to that hope that the that he wants this system to work. And he'll push Melshi around in these two episodes. And he tells Cassian to shut it. He doesn't want to believe that everything he's done has been for nothing. 
And Mon Mothma is very much in that very same boat. But this is exactly how hope can be toxic. Because when we put our faith into completely wrong systems or beliefs or structures or governments or religions, it can blind us into submission. There you, because there's, his hope is built into their their um their, their program. Yeah. And like we see this all the time when people get just blinded into these groups. And as the truth is coming out for mostly for Kino, but like for Mon Mothma as well, that hope is starting to waver. It's starting to break down because when he finds out what happens at level two, his logic says something bad is happening, but he just so desperately is clinging to that hope and that belief. And belief can be a powerful thing. Like we often see belief in media, just like believe in yourself. You can do it. Just believe in the force, blah, 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 believe. And it's like such a Star Wars thing. But belief is also so incredibly destructive when it's used for the wrong reason. (coughs) And I think this show does a really good job. um, Yes, with Mon, but really with Kino showing how destructive hope and faith and belief can be if it's placed in the wrong system. Well, like the thing with Kino's character is like, and maybe this is what I expected, but I, I think I expected this because this is how it would play out in any other story. Our, our story normally would be, um, it might be, changing kino's mind but kino would be a lot kino would be the barrier he would be a lot more of a barrier he's a little bit of a barrier in this but he would be like more of a bad guy he would be he would be like because it would be he would be portrayed more more as a a collaborator when in fact he's really he's just trapped in that position he's you know that what else can he do he would be the one ratting them out the one that you I thought was like, oh, look, they're all watching him and it's suspicious. Right. And that's and it's set up. It's set up to be, you know, look, you know, we got this guy in charge and if and he's going to squelch trouble because, you know, hey, look, you get your whole floor will get fried if you if you cause trouble and stuff. And he is doing that a little bit, but all his motivations with that makes he are very pragmatic and he he's not he's not totally self interested he he let you know he has empathy for other people and he's trying you know that when when and like when everybody everybody like you know figures out how to switch things around so that they can you know take the old guy and let him go get a rest you know and and he's sort of like pissed off about it but then he's like okay that works okay good we can get him out and get you know he's 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 fine with it because he's like feels for the guy you know but like he would have been more of a you know yeah when it reached the point of where you know like andor would have to kill him or defeat him or in order for him to be like all right we'll go along with it whereas kino is you know he's like He's like, I, I've got the hope, but the, the second the hope's got, and he's still even questionable about it, but he knows it's more prudent, you know, not to do anything until you know something. But the second he knows, he's just like, bing, let's do this, you know. 
he's just like you know and that is you know an amazing process because it's more it 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 feels more like what a real person would do you know it's it's one of those like and and i i touched on this a little bit in act three so i'm not going to dive into it much right now but he has to have the hard proof before he's in and some people like are wasted so much in their belief systems because they're just like oh this thing's not real because it's not happening to me and it's something that we've talked about like with Ferrix, like the people of Ferrix were sleeping because it wasn't happening to them uh so it was fine like this empire thing was just a funny little people with their flags um but and then it came and happened for to them and I think that's an ongoing theme throughout the show, but it's presented in so many different ways. Yeah, he's and also he's probably maybe been incarcerated before. We have no idea what any of these people have done. Probably most of them are they're probably more like people that got picked up in sweeps that are not like hardened criminals because, you know, hardened criminals would be more dangerous in this situation, more <laughs> you know, more likely than not. And these, I, these I no, like when they're breaking out, some of them like Melchie is just like gun fight, let's fucking go. <laughs> oh yeah, well no, because well yeah, I mean, they, he were is under, a they were underestimated, and... but hardened criminal like having a bunch of hardened criminals. Hardened criminals also are people who have less to lose. These guys are more just like you know, sort of guys like him who had a normal life, you know, that like whereas a hardened criminal is just like fuck it, you know, maybe they, they would plan stuff where, like, yeah, maybe 25% of us will get fried, but that we can, the rest of us can, like, walk over their bodies <laughs> and, and get them. Okay, that'll work. You know? It, but, you know, those, those guys go into the mines, you know, where you, where, you know, they're really strong, but you could, they might get stronger than mines, but eventually they'll just break down their bodies or whatever. Where in, in this one, it's, this is, this is more like the, um, you know, the white collar criminal um, prison, you know, um, you don't see any like I mean, having a bunch of Wookiees build that stuff would probably they could probably pump out five times as many. But then you would have a whole place full of Wookiees, you know, that, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but that's. All I got. Do you have anything else? No. All right. <clears throat> you want to finish this? There's no animals in this episode off. I had to like prepare myself for the scene because this scene upsets me so much. Oh my god. I'm going to be talking about you, this scene. Have for you a while. have you maybe lived through this scene like uh, uh, dozens of times in your in your life, hope maybe? Oh, Chris. I have lived through the scene and I just want to let everybody know if you know a woman, there's a chance to get through this scene. I will. I will. I think hope softballing it. I think if you know a woman, you know you know somebody that's that's gone through this. No matter what the woman's I'm, sexual I'm, preference, I'm and like, some guy has come up and been like, uh, "I um." No. Okay. I'm. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to be like exaggerating. I'm. I'm speaking the truth. Like I don't know a woman this hasn't happened to. I've seen this happen to my friends. I've, this has happened to me. I've seen this happen to my... You don't make it out niece. of high school without seeing this. My niece is... Don't make 15. it out of middle school. 
my niece is 15, but she's tall and slender. Like she's taller than I, she's as tall as I am, if not taller. And she gets, this happens to her. Oh, so just so you know, like, I'm not, I'm not like over exaggerating. If you know a woman, this has probably happened to them. And if you know little girls, this will happen to them. So just, just, oh, ah, ah, I can tell stories. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. It happens to guys, too. Oh, I know. It has ha- it's happened to me, but not dozens of times, maybe three or four times in my life. But, uh, like, yeah, I have stories, but that's for another podcast that I'll never make. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Act 3? Act 3. Let's wrap this stalker up. Ah, so... Dedra is having a lovely day walking to work and she's just been having such a good evil episode. It'd be a shame if like a mouth breathing incel popped out of the, the corner and was just all like, hi. Uh, but there he is. His name is Cyril Card. And he comes out and he's just like, hi, Dedra. And she's just like, oh, God. Hi. 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 How are you in the parking lot? of my job and he's like i just wanted to thank you oh god your perfume is great i just wanted to thank you for the promotion and everything and tetra's like cool bye bye now and she just like tries to step around him and he steps in her way and goes off about just how you know, just people don't understand me, and and I've just been waiting for someone like you to understand me and how I feel about Lady Justice, and you, Dedra, are my my Lady and Justice walking, and it would just be like super cool if we could like go capture Cassie and Andor together. And you make my life worth living, Dedra. And Dedra's just like, oh my god, this man is going to win- wear me as a skin suit by the end of the day. I just need to get out of here. I just, I am panicking emotionally. And she tries to step around him and he physically touches her. Ah! He touches her and holds her arm so she cannot escape. And nobody else around her is helping at all when she's clearly having an issue with this man. What the fuck? Ah, ah. So essentially, she looks at him and tells him to fuck off and stalks inside. And then she just goes and finds her boyfriend hurt. And hurt is just like, hi, I did my job because I'm really good. And she's just like, hurt, I fucking love you. Okay, bye. And he, like, sends him on her way. And she just, like, steadies herself on her office. <sighs> ah, this thing makes me so mad. It's so... Oh, we'll come back to it in the notes. Uh, pretty much everything from the moment she shows up in the parking lot to the moment she goes into the back room. I've lived that. Huh. Anyway, back with Mon Mothma. <laughs> I have a lot of pain and repress. This is why I need therapy, y'all. Um, anyway, back with Mon Mothma, Tay is there, and Tay Coma is just like, hey, you know you really fucked up your finances, babe. And Mon's like, thanks. I know. What are we going to be doing about the 400,000 missing credits that just vanished? 
And Tay's like, I have a solution, but you're going to hate it. She's just like, I'm a rebellion person, Tay. I can handle it. And Tay's like, all right, let's call uh, Davos Golden. Golden, that's his name. Davos Golden. And she's like, what? He's a gangster. And Tay's like, I know, but he'd give you a shit ton of money and keep it off the record for, uh, you know, a little trade deal. And he wants to meet you. And she's just like, no, I'm pure in my soul. And I have a moral compass, but everything is breaking down around us. And I don't know. And I guess I have to dirty my hands. And Tay's just like, wow, you're having a lot of issues today, aren't you, Mon? And he's like, yeah. Meanwhile, back with Dedra, who's recovered from her horrific thing that happened to her earlier in the day. Uh, long story short, they captured an, uh, uh, they being the ISB, they captured a pilot who was part of Anto Krieger's group. You know, the dude last episode that Luthen wanted Saul to work with. It's a good thing that Saul was just like, no, fuck you, Luthen. And Luthen's like, oh boy. Um, and the pilot told them that after being tortured by dead children, because they, Gorse gets a lot of freaking flyer miles in this episode. They're constantly like, oh, we have someone send the Nazi doctor after them. Yay, now we have the intel. That Gorse guy is like having the best day of his life. Anyway, uh, Gorse tortured Krieger's dude. And it turns out that Krieger is planning the raid that Luthen told Saul about last episode. And so the ISB is just like, cool, we'll keep the ship in body and set a trap. So they set a trap. It's a trap. Finally, we go back to the prison. And poor Luff, he's struggling really bad, guys. And I don't think it's going to be okay. <laughs> and he can't even stand on program. And all the inmates have to hold him up. And they, like, are hiding him so he doesn't get shocky-shocked. And at the end of their day, they're, like, carrying him back through the hallways of the room. And, but he can't even make it through the hallways because he just collapses for good. And Kino calls for a medic, and he and Cassian stay with Olaf. And then the prisoner doctor arrives and starts examining him. And and Kino is just like, his name is Uli, and I call him Uli, and he only has 40 days. Come on, Doc, you have to, I just need to get back on his feet. And the doctor's like, that's not going to happen. He had a massive stroke. All I can do is make sure he doesn't, you know, have pain as he dies. And, like, Kino is like, no, don't do that. He has to survive. And the doctor's like, look, keep your shit together because level two sucked. And I'm having a bad day already. Anyway. And Kino's like, what do you mean? <laughs> so uh, they euthanize Olaf, sadly, and he passes peacefully. We all miss you. R.I.P. You're so sweet. Good old man. Good old man slowly dying acting. Good job. You got a nice paycheck. Anyway, uh, Kino just grabs the doctor's arm. He's just like, what do you mean what happened on level two? I'm having a day. Doctor, tell me what happened on level two. And the doctor's like, well, so this guy was supposed to be released on level four and be free. But they took the guy and stuck him on level two. And the prisoners on level two realized that, that they're not actually getting out of here. And uh, they all started pushing back because they were like, what's happening? Why are we not getting out of here? And they all died because the Empire's like, no, fuck you. And Kino's like, oh, okay. Thank you, doctor. Thank you. And he stands up and he's stalking out. And Cassian's like, are we doing it? 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 And Kino's like, we're fucking doing it. And everyone went, ah! Oh, what the fuck? 
you add some like celebration noises to it. <laughs> <laughs> How many episodes of the show end with Cassian striding forward into the camera? Oh, I don't know. This is, I think, the second one. I think, like, usually, w- usually when like big rebellious moments end, the the shows end with him walking towards the camera, looking, you know, s- staunch and, you know, ready for act ready for rebel action i like it it's an it's a neat theme okay i love the i love the way the doctor is the guy who spreads he he can spread the news and he is sort of being like look you know this is don't try anything because this is what happened to level two but at the same time if he really didn't want people to try anything he just wouldn't say anything so he's almost like covering his ass a little bit Mm-hmm. And, and I, I but being like, like you're not you're not because he sees them you're not getting out we're not getting out because they're all in the same boat you know mm-hmm. and that's what I like about this is there's not as much you know they're like there we don't really have to deal with like real collaborators in this and it wouldn't make sense to have any like real like real staunch collaborators because it's all new you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and I like that 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 everybody realizes their situation. It's it's it doesn't it doesn't underestimate the intelligence of all the characters. You know, not just the main yeah. characters, but everybody. You know, the logic of like we're never getting out of here a lot. It's you know basically we're we're watching the the beta testing of a prison, and the reason it fails is because it's too easy to find you know the second anybody finds out you know that's the equation they didn't factor in the second you know 99 percent of people find out yeah you're not getting out of here alive even though you're supposed to you know you're just going to get worked to death that all of a sudden you have nothing to lose and that's it there people will try to get out because it's this i mean it's really the same decision that that bix did at the beginning of the episode where it was like if i'm going to get tortured let's let's go you know mm-hmm. let's uh, let's just skip all this the this bullshit ahead of it because it's coming to that eventually so let's let's go there and do that now and that's sort of what will happen in a prison like this if they find out and it's very hard you know how are you going to how are you going to keep people there with and have them keep their mouth shut about they're supposed, you know, when they get onto the new floor, go, not going like, I was supposed to be out today. I was, I thought I was going home today, and they brought me down here. You know mm-hmm. that how, <laughs> why they didn't think of that, I don't know. You know what, or or maybe they had, maybe they were supposed to keep all those people on one level where they all knew that, and they they did something different where they had le- less of you know or they had maybe they had a plan for it and this was just a, a clerical error that that started it but no but the problem was is you can't keep it under wraps and once it gets out that's it you know that mm-hmm. people are going to be you know it it all of a sudden became a concerted effort and the infrastructure of it had already been set up with uh, the sign language and stuff like that so yeah it's it's ready to go but uh 
so the scene with Dedra and uh, oh and, I I, I want to add to one thing about that um oh. uh, about that before you slide away um there's I do think that one thing that Kino has and he does have a position of privilege among the being the supervisor and so there are two instances where he you see that come like starting to break down like being above the other prisoners like they're the ones that are in in the level two scene just being like something's happening on level level two and like he's the one that's like nothing is happening we don't know it takes a week to get a word from the other side like this is fine but then in act two when they're like did you hear about level two he doesn't hear it from the other prisoners he looks at directly at the other supervisor and he's like other supervisor what happened Mm -hmm. because he has that position of privilege and he believes other people in privilege. And that other supervisor was like, I went down there. I saw it. And now the doctor having two people like the doctor just being like, yeah, it happened. Like, I think the hope was wavering with the first supervisor and the hope breaks with the doctor and it, but it is that position of privilege because um, so much of this is set up to where like Kino is more than happy to step on all these people because he's about to get out. He is so close to getting out. He will step on all these people. But when he realizes there is no more getting out and all of this is bullshit, there's nothing left. And it's just like you said, mm. there's nothing left for him. There's, there's and, not even really much privilege to their privilege of their position. And like, but I, it's just enough to let them go between levels. Like the other guy, right, the other right, night yes. supervisor was able to go to that level and see level two. And but, the doctor's but, able to move among the levels. So like these special privileges allowed, I bet the doctor has, you know, a slightly nicer life because he doesn't have to do hard manual labor. He just actually, I well, know he I do might, he he might have some days where people. he doesn't have to do anything at all, you know, but actually they probably actually they probably just take him off the line <laughs> to go take him off the that's line. True, that's true. I was, about to say, and, I was about to say he probably has a nice life. And then I realized euthanizing people why? is probably not. Yeah. There's no reason to for for him to you know there's no reason for them to extend that to anybody. Like I think Kino talks to the other supervisor because just on a practical level, they you know they are rep that you know they are privileged they're representatives, but at the same time as representatives, like Kino has probably the best like uh, you know generals you know scope of what's going on with all his men and so does that guy so it's just a shorthand for those groups of people to communicate you know kino knows what people have been saying in his group and the other guy knows what he's seen and what people are saying and then they can put it together more instead of having 30 people all just talking together you know um phone call style so but yeah i just love how they show how the 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 information spreads. Um, okay, so um, really, <laughs> I believe. Okay, well, I, I got one more note, and then all the rest of mine is about De- Dedra's the the whole awkward scene. <laughs> but uh, but I love how like seeing the sausage like this show is. And 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 it's showing showing how the sausage is made in a in a different way with different. You know, the 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 trap is set different. It, it isn't a bunch of guys in the mines, like I was saying last last episode. And uh, 
it really exposes the the, the weakness in and and everything and like uh, another thing that i love is is uh you know when the doctor goes we're gonna need a trolley and the guy was like i ordered a trolley on the way down here <laughs> you know you know olaf olaf was going away no matter what there was just no other option for olaf and and you know it was set in stone and everything else was a sort of a song and dance all right so that's that scene is super awkward at the same time due to the level of acting in this I don't think Dedra's going like, oh, maybe he's kind of cute, or maybe we have something in common. But I don't. She's panicking. I don't think. I don't think. But I. But also, at the same time, I think Dedra is sim. They're similarly mentally ill, and and at this point, oh, oh, at this point, she is just like she is mortified by this and but at the same time it seems like she's just a little distracted by like what the fuck is up with that tie and i wish whenever he strikes out that his tie would go like a um like a windowsill and mm. just flap back up just like detach and then flap 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 flap, 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 flap at the top and he go oh no. but okay with with like with what happens at the end of this season to Dedra and with with his invo- with with Cyril's involvement in it Dedra is going to be like sort of possibly in after that sort of where Cyril was where he started out like she she might have really messed up and sort of be disgraced by Cassie and Andor. So she both of these characters that's the thing is you know they 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 keep enough of them being human to keep us identifying with them on a human level but they're both sick fucks. They're both messed up. So I could see Dedra if she hits a low point of her career and mental illness being like yeah, maybe this guy, you know, maybe this guy had a point, you know, which is even even creepier. But we're dealing with space Nazis. But even space Nazis get grossed out by a guy being being stuck. She actually uses the word. Are you stalking me? You know, there. and I just want to. And this is a thing that that like, I don't know if it's the kind of teeth you have or the kind of actor actress you are. But there are certain actors and actresses who know how to act with their teeth. And I'm not saying like Gary Busey, who has big teeth, so he can go like, hey, give a big grin or something. When she's talking to him, she's just like using her, like clicking her teeth together when she's talking. She's not talking through gritted teeth, but it it took on an extra level of realism where I'm like, I've seen people that mad, you know, where they're talking and their teeth almost look like they want to bite you. And I'm like, this woman is a gift is one of the, you know, one of those actors who's a gifted tooth actor, you know, mm-hmm. I'm saying, and I know it sounds goofy, but it re- like it was, it, it, it was just 
you know, she doesn't have like weird teeth or anything. It's just that like the the way she was talking to him was just like I want but like, you know, she let him off with a warning, which is really weird, you know, because it doesn't seem like she's usually one to sort of like mess around, you know. And she and, and she has no reason not to just like chuck him right under the bus, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so I think that I I think he I hate to say this, Hope. I think he still may have a chance. But you know what? She's torturing ladies. So, you know, don't we sort of want the two of them to hook up and just like destroy each other? <laughs> Only if it ends in both of their demise. Well, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. I don't think we're getting a I don't think we're going to get a redemption arc or a happy ending for either of these two. Maybe we might not even, you know, get any sort of like specific ending for their characters. But yeah, no, there's 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 nothing good on the horizon <laughs> for these. And if they hook up, you know, if they hook up, that's just like, you know, that's just like hooking up your exhaust to the to the inside of your car, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, don't we sort of want that? Isn't it sort of like having you know politicians that you hate fight and be just like, yeah, you know, bite each other's dicks off, go. <laughs> yes, as long as it ends in both of their demises. Yes, yeah, but that I'm not saying I'm not saying you shouldn't be skeeved out by that scene because that is the total 100% goal of that scene is to skeeve out and like I you know there there's certain actors and they'll get typecast in roles like that and that sucks especially if you do it well like this guy does this guy plays he's like Anthony Perkins level of i don't know if you ever seen psycho or just generally anthony perkins play anything in any movie but especially he's he's he really he looks like anthony perkins and he's got mother issues it's very psycho like but um you know i mean as an actor oh my god how 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 would you how, how awful is it that like people that's what people are going to like people are going to be seeing him and go Cyril <laughs> mm-hmm. had any dates lately and like oh you know just like being good at being creepy and then like having to be uh you know a recognized actor after that and then everybody giving you creepy roles it's it's got to be weird I don't think this is any of our listeners but I do want to slide in here and just say um the actor that does play Cyril did get like some hate of people just being like, your characters suck and you should die. And he's just a fucking actor doing his job. Uh, don't be that person. If you are that person, stop, stop it. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. He's just an actor doing his job. Please don't. Well, what, don't what are the, people. you know, I mean, if they want, if they really got a problem with it, take it up with the writers, you know, Take it up yeah. with the writers and go because somebody's got to play the. Don't serial. take it up with anybody, you know, like it's a fictional character. Well, I know, but I mean, that's. <laughs> but, I mean, if you want to change it, that's where it's got to be changed, not by being like, "How dare you act as this this role?" Somebody's gonna play that role, you know. So you know, you're you're really griping about the, the role. Then. 
No, because the casting director is going to, somebody's going to play the, ca- I mean, his character as written, like that, that, that scene is, is not just, cre- it is creepy because both actors are acting very much like a real person would in that situation. Mm-hmm. But that as written in the script, it's really creepy, you know. Mm-hmm. It, his well, the things he say, says are like off the off the boilerplate script of you know an awkward, weird, you know weird obsessive guy approaching a woman. So like you know you, you, yeah, it's gonna come off. It's gonna come off creepy if whoever's doing it is doing their job. So yeah, go take. Take it up with the writers. Um, but I think that's all I got for Act Three. I know how well written this show is, other than what has already been talked about for nine episodes. Well, it's evoked pretty much every emotion from Hope so far. Mm-hmm. Hate, disgust. Uh huh. So in the same episode where Dedra horrifically tortures Bix. This episode made me want to reach through my computer screen, grab this Nazi woman, and yank her to safety. Because it's that visceral of a reaction watching that scene. I wanted to save Detra. And I've I've felt that. I've done that. I had this coworker I fucking hated we hated each other we knew we hated each other but you know what when a guy came in and crept on us we had each other's back i've actually like stepped in front of guys to like get them off of her and she's done the same for me and then we would go back to hating each other like like it is yeah yeah, yeah no it I, is, it is, oh no 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 i'd let you talk for five fucking minutes it's my turn <laughs> oh <laughs> this i have i lost my okay i lost it go i i i've I forgot to. <laughs> We're so good at what we do. No, I just um like, I'll remember I've, just, it. I've lived that. Like I've been in the parking lot arriving at work and mm. I'd be walking in and I and I worked at a mall for 15 years. So it didn't matter if this was the comic book store, the hot topic, the Spencer's or the pizza place. Like I've or the or the Suncoast. Like I was 14 working at Suncoast and shit like this was happening to me. And and Psychos isn't even around, so it just really dates this. Um, but, like, I feel like showing up and, like, walking into the parking lot and just one of my customers that's a regular would be waiting in my parking lot just being like, hey, I found out you were working today. And, like, and I'm sitting here going, how the fuck did you find out how, that I was working? Who did you ask? Who on my managerial team asked, told you this? Like, it is scary. It yeah, I mean, scary. how many times has it happened to you before it happened? You go, oh, God, here it comes, right? It's like probably a good chunk of them. You saw it coming and were like, oh, no. Yeah. It, it, after a few times, like I, I started getting older, I, I started recognizing it more. Because like when I was young and stupid, I was just like, oh, teehee, that's nice. I'm going to be friends. Um, But like once I hit about 18 and then got into college and stuff, it's like it's so viscerally real. and we, I know I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, in our comic book store, um, us ladies and my one non- non-binary worker, uh, we had a safe word for when guys were doing this shit to us. 
I've had my, like we, so if we said that safe word and I was the manager, so it meant that I usually had to take care of it. Um, it was, I am, I feel in danger. I need to get away. This guy is creeping on me. Please help. I've had my employees call and just being like, hope a guy is in the parking lot and he's one of our customers and he's waiting. Can you come out and get me? And I've had to close the store to go get my worker and bring her inside safely. Mm-hmm. I have a Twitter DM person that is a friend through the Pink Milk uh, group. She messaged me the other day because she's being stalked by an old man at her job and what to do about it. And this happened yesterday. I was not exaggerating when I said, hey, Almost probably every woman in your life this has happened to. All the little girls in your life this will happen to. It is, it sucks. And what really gets me is that moment in her office. Because I've done that. Where I've had to go into the back room and you are shaking. And your breath is, you can't breathe. And you're having a panic attack. And you know that you have about two minutes back there to get all your shit together in line emotionally wondering if this guy's going to jump you and then put him on a smile and walk back out and serve customers for eight hours. It sucks. Well, that's the thing about people who like are, are, well, I mean, a, there's, there's, there's different levels. There's people who are just like, don't know what to do and are awkward. And then there are people who have a whole internal thing going on, you know, um, and you I was, know I was the, talking you to a friend. I was talking correct. to a friend who knows somebody who like would get mad at people and be like, "That girl's talking shit about me. I fucking hate her." And then when you know my friend approached the girl and said, uh, "You know, are you talking shit about that person?" She's like, "Who? Who is that? I don't know who that person is." You know, yeah. and, and, you know when somebody has a whole internal scenario of the two of what they think you are, what they think the relationship between the two of you are, what they think it's going to be or could be, or what they think, you know, that doesn't probably, that probably does not in any way match with reality. That's scary because that is scary. That when, happened when, to, um, when you, when you reject really right. them, you're right that there is also like two kind of awkward. Cause like I had, I worked at a comic book store. I had awkward, awkward uh customers there's this one i'm gonna i'm not gonna use his real name i'm just gonna call him pw um uh pw came in and he asked me out and it was really sweet and he was awkward about it and i looked at him and i was like that's i'm really flattered but i'm actually not into guys and he was like oh i'm really sorry and he was very very embarrassed and he i didn't see him for about three weeks and then finally came back and we were fine as if nothing happened He was yeah. fine. I was fine. We had our continued our business relationship and we would chat about comics. It was great. And he yeah. was awkward, but he was like, not like coming to stalk me in the parking lot. Awkward. Yeah. No, I, like, he, I, I had, I, 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 I was a fake boyfriend for years with a waitress that I worked with because this guy who was, um, I will just say a government worker came in to eat there it was was you know older than her by 20 some years and very socially awkward and kind of obnoxious and early sort of there wasn't a name for incel in those days 
but he was reading Cerebrus comics and talking about how Dave Sims really figured out women and stuff. Well, he got a crush on this one waitress and would, and like eventually, you know, would always be at his, you know, she worked in today and, and stuff. And we were like, Oh, he's got a crush on, you know, on this waitress. That's kind of creepy. And, uh, um, you know, eventually he asked her out and she said, no, I, you know, I can't date customers and yeah, it's just not, not appropriate. Sorry. You know, you know, I just I didn't think, it. and he wouldn't stop. And eventually she's like, look, I got a boyfriend. He's like, Oh, who's your boyfriend? <laughs> and she's just like, Chris in the kitchen. <laughs> and I'm like, what? But I was good friends thing. with her. I was good friends with her. And I'm like, I'm like, she's a nice girl. I'll be your pretend boyfriend. You know, it, no, it, it worked just before. enough. But it, it, like, actually, it was a bad idea because for for two or three years, he'd be like, so you and Rachel still dating? And like, and I'd have to be like, yes, you know, and the same with her. And I'd have to be like, yeah, well, I, you know, and, you know, and and he was suspicious that it wasn't true. So then also he's getting mad because he's suspicious that it wasn't true, which it wasn't, which means he's being lied to which is going to, you know, it, it, whether he really is outwardly believing that or not, that's, you know, it just creates this whole fucking. It does. Bull, bullshit. And, and like, you that, know, that and, and I had to, one... you know, where, where I had to, like, I would be working and then he would come in and then, and then he would start talking and I'd be like, Oh yeah, that's right. I'm dating. I'm, <laughs> I'm dating Rachel right now. <laughs> but, but you're, you're, you know, on, I've been dating her for two years. I got to be settled into this thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, me and Billy did that all the time. Like, we started doing that in college when we were, like, going out and we didn't, like, want guys hassling us. We'd just be like, yeah, that's my girlfriend. And I just, but then, like, she one time. In, what? She teaches Taekwondo. Yeah, like, like, and so um, that's something that me and Billy did for years. Um, and then, but even that had its back, uh, it's like a uh, kickback. Because like one time we were at a party and a guy was like, like being upset because um, like, like Billy wasn't interested. And she finally was just like, yeah, like that's my girlfriend Hope over there. Guy came over to me and it's just like, so you're a lesbian, huh? And I was like, why does it matter to you? And he started going off about how like, essentially it was threatening me with a hate crime and i was just like ah, ah please don't stab me yeah 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 then, yeah i had to go to like the head of the party I was like this guy's threatening to beat me up because i'm gay guess uh, what? can we guess, get him thrown out guess what gay or not that story isn't an outlier you know i mean yeah. that, is a, that is a story of by the way, I probably we should probably throw like a trigger warning up on this episode because I'm also about to talk about school shootings. Um, let's continue. Jesus like, Christ. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So uh, I got a right, cat like, on my lap. I'm ready for it. So can you like just uh? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this now, Chris, and this is for you to edit out later and put at at the beginning of the episode. Hi guys, uh, this is Hope. We normally don't do this kind of thing, but. We're going to have a very rare J, guys, where we're going to give a trigger warning. I know. It's that kind of episode. We're going to be talking about some really heavy stuff in Act 3, including uh, uh, violence against my, us, violence against women. We're going to be talking about active shooters. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. Uh, rape. And if this, the Act 3 is going to be really heavy, guys. So I'm going to give you a very Spoilers. rare trigger. What? Spoilers. 
yeah, I'm going to give you a very rare trigger warning right now. So, uh, yeah, in, enjoy this episode of Jake and Jedi. Okay, crop that out and put Ta-da. it in, please. Okay. Um, no, no, I, I mean it. So, uh, I'm not joking. Please do. Um, but yeah, it's it's so so crazy. Like I've had people come up to me, um. When I was working at the comic book store, I people, uh, I should say, I shouldn't say people. It was all men. It was always men. Um, I had this one guy, I told the story before too, where he said that if he had a superpower, it would be to uh, sleep with women and them not know it. And I looked at him in the eyes and I said, that's rape. And he looked at me and said, I know, what are you doing later? And I went, I'm going to be calling security right now. And I had to call them well, to walk I'm me to my car. Buying a gun. <laughs> and the worst part was he was with one of my regulars. He was a friend of a regular, and his friend was so embarrassed. And I never saw the guy again. And he was actually no, I take it back. He did come back one other time. He was much nicer when I threatened to call the police on him. Um, yeah. Well, there was there was and there was. Remember back in the days where that was just sort of like edgelordism. I had a coworker who was oh who was ooh, like that. Edgelordism is the worst thing that's ever happened because that's where we right? get these I, fucking I, I phantom a co- menace fucks. I had a co- coworker like that who would ooh. you know you know and and here comes some of the some of the the triggering talk, but he would make like okay we, you'd have a full functioning work day in a restaurant you know waiters and waitresses working he was a waiter working with usually two or three waitresses and a kitchen staff half of which were women usually at any given time and he would come back and start making jokes about rape and there were a couple women there that that like you know but you know not out front but back in the kitchen would go like hey look can you just not can you not talk about that probably for very good reason you know and what he would do is as soon as they would say like don't say that he would start you know waving his hands around and going what don't talk about rape rape a rippity rape 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 and and Ah! like and like half the guy half the guys would be like <laughs> and the other half of the guys would be like jesus christ and when it, whenever like it, like myself and another one of the cooks who was the son of the owner um were like that's fucking you know and you know and i i'm not saying i i didn't know anything about this these were i wasn't in these people's social group as much at this point as much as i was co-workers with them but things happen to girls in their history and having somebody not take that seriously can be really like a horrifying experience to go into work every day and have that and and somebody and people would say stuff to him and to other coworkers and would it would get brushed off with oh well you know he doesn't mean it it's just oh, you know, that makes me so mad. He, he's <laughs> only saying it he's oh. only saying it to get a rise out of people he doesn't mean it. As a matter of fact, he's probably against all that stuff. But, you know, he's about he's about being edgy and and trying to be as extreme as possible. And everybody knows it. Sometimes he's, he's sometimes mature. it makes every sometimes it makes everybody laugh, you know. But like other times mm-hmm. it's, and, and I'd heard him say like 
flat out racist things and stuff, but people could skate with that. Not, not even 20 years ago, not even 20 years ago, you know, people could skate with that and people would go like, Oh, you, you know, that, you know, that guy, that's just his sense of humor and stuff. And that, that has changed because people have aggressively asserted like, no, fuck you. (laughs) And, and, you know, there's a reaction to it where people hate it. But at the same time, you know, that guy, that guy would be, that guy would be fired in any job that that guy has, I, um, I assume in the last 10 years had to cool his fucking jets, you know, with that shit at a job or found himself a job that just had a perfectly toxic atmosphere for him. But that that shouldn't fly anymore. And it's, thank God it doesn't. All they did was go make monetized YouTube hate videos. And and he was bullying. He was bullying, you know, the, the, uh, an autistic person. And, whoa, 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 and, and, that makes me even matter. And whoa. and 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 a uh, ex drug addict who was an alcoholic. He was feeding him alcohol and at the same time getting him in trouble for being drunk. All this. OK, so right. So this one guy is like making all these people, all, all these people that he's doing that shit to have to go into work every day and they're getting up like in high school when you get up and you got a bully and you have to go and fucking face it. It was a big day one day when he was talking some shit about me because I called out, I would call, I was the only person that'd be like, that's some bullshit right there. And he got caught cheating on his girlfriend by my girlfriend, not by me, by my girlfriend. He got called out. He, his girlfriend was her best friend. So she she gave her best friend a head up, heads up because she found out. I knew the same day. I didn't I didn't say anything because I didn't know his girlfriend. I didn't have any, you know, I you know, I just I just saw it and was like, well, that, doesn't that guy have a girlfriend? That's not his girlfriend. Right. You know. So, but he thought that I blew him in, you know, that I did the the bad guy thing and blew him in, which I wasn't supposed to do. And, you know, none of the other coworkers had blown him in. But, you know, of course, his girlfriend's best friend blew him in. Of course she did. Who wouldn't expect that? Who wouldn't, ex- mm-hmm. you know, you would. You, but anyway, anyway, he was talking shit about me. <laughs> story time. I don't want to turn this into story time, but he was yeah. talking shit with me and I came into work one day and they're like, dude, this guy was talking like, you know, about saying that, you know, you blew him in and stuff and he's pissed. He's, he's coming in to tell you off today. And I'm like, good, let him come in and tell me off. That'll be very interesting. Cause I'm ready. You know, I'm not scared of him, you know? And, and I just looked at everybody and I go, I a hundred percent guarantee you, he won't say a fucking word to me. And they know they go, no, he's mad. He's, he was like telling everybody, wait until tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. He walked in, he strode into the kitchen, strode right up to me. I turned to him, I looked him in the eye and I go, yo. And he goes, yo, and just starts like doing his job. And you could see everybody in the kitchen go, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I left that place because of that, the guy, because nothing was being done with him. And I had a confrontation with him and I'm like, you know what? It's 
I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to come into a toxic atmosphere every day. A lot of people didn't have that option and everybody had to go in there and deal with this fucker with their own individualized thing that he was using to get them, you know, and sometimes it was just dumb stuff with people who just had dumb stuff. But when it's like rape or like, you know, you're autistic and I'm going to like call you the R word, you know. And just, you know, eh. It's it's bully it's bully and it ruins people's lives, and like I'm you know I'm just I'm very glad as an old person to say that it's we've seen that not be that being identified as you know as you know I've it's basically like an acknowledgement of the point of view of the person who's getting their life ruined instead of just like. You know, they should have just punched him in the nose, you know, that sort of bullshit or just like, ah, you know, it's just that's what kids are. Kids are like that. You got to learn to deal with it. You know, I'm glad that's that's switched, you know. Yeah. But I to bring all this back to Andor. Yes. Um, yes sorry. Yeah. I just. This episode, this the show is just so good. <laughs> because. It just, this scene in particular, I've just never had such a, this, like, I, like I've i had emotions over Star Wars where I've, you know, I cried during Twilight, like, I still get misty during Twilight of the Apprentice, like, I still, like, that, that's still my fav- favorite, piece, like, single piece of Star Wars that's ever been made, um, and, I, I have a lot of emotions. I get emotions at the end of Clone Wars. Like, I, I have a lot of feelings towards stuff. And I get, like, misty and I get, like, t- like soapy and stuff like that. I've never had a Star Wars give me such, like, a violent reaction. Like, I wanted to, like... And, and I remember in this episode... Star Wars has never gone here ever close to yeah. this before. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I remember when this episode dropped, like, so many of my female friends were just like, Yeah! I hate that I wanted to save a fascist! <laughs> I hate that I felt that way. And, like, well, to make me feel that way of just, like, you know, 40 minutes ago, Dedro was torturing Bix, and here I'm, like, trying to, like, reach into my computer screen and pull her out to safety uh, to be like, no, get away from the creepy man. Um, and so I just, like, want to say, like, if you see this shit happening, don't be like Dedro's co-workers. Just, like, say something. Because one of the most useful things ever is doing something. Because it just, it's so helpful. Like we to 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 give one last story. Um, it's not quite the situation, but it's similar, and it was so effective. Uh, we used to have guys ha- hassle me and the female workers and the one non-binary. Actually, wait, Raina's trans now. Now that I think about it, yeah, they're trans now. Okay, uh, well, they were, and then they've transitioned. But at the time, Rin was openly uh, non-binary. But uh, he actually, now that I think about it. Um, he, uh, was part of us and was with us and we would, the, the, all of us would get hassled except for Jesse. Jesse was my male coworker and he is this big, burly metal head, piercings, huge beard, the sweetest teddy bear you would ever meet. He's the sweetest person. I love him. And so these like, these guys would just come in and hassle us. And finally, one day this was happening to me, Alicia and Ren and Jesse just walks over and, and looks at the guy and says, why aren't you asking me those questions? 
I've never seen a man scuttle out so fast. Like, I, he, this customer scuttled and was just yep. like, up, 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 up. Uh, Lights looked, on. Just looked at Jesse like, thank you. Lights on, run away. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think this show's doing, like, I think, like, there was a trope at first, like, bad guys were almost inhuman, good guys, you know, were were good guys. And then it was like, look, you know, we gotta, we gotta humanize the bad guys a little bit, but humanizing the bad guys kind of like psychologically, like would lead to redemption. And like, I like that, like, it's like, we'll humanize, humanize the bad guys, but like, like Game of Thrones, like, like really doesn't care that like, it reminds you that the bad guys are bad guys, but it's humanization still makes you root for certain, you know, it just psychologically keeps you rooting for them. Whereas this one was like, no, these guys are human and have things that you could totally empathize with happen to them. But, you know, let's just remind you that they're still like horrible pieces of shit, you know? And I think that's important because that is that is reality. I've known people who were horrible pieces of shit that like you could still find things to connect with them on a human level, you know, but that still doesn't that doesn't correct or excuse any of the 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 horrible shit. But it. it yeah. Yeah. And and like I think it's important to know that you're, with the Imperials you're dealing with humans because you're going to deal with all all the strengths of humans and the weaknesses with the bad guys as well as the good guys and it it makes it more fascinating and re- mm-hmm. real real. Um, to I now have a cat. It's like she knew I needed to pet her. Um, to add my very last kind of triggering triggering note about this scene. Um, this was about the point in the story where if Cyril murdered his mother, I would not be the least bit surprised. Back to because, Psycho. <laughs> and, because and there was actually, there was a, I think it's, it's either next week's episode or the week after whatever episode he leaves to go back to Ferrix. I thought he was legit getting ready to kill his mom. Like oh. the way it's handled and shot. And so, cause like when we get those reports of like active shooters and like school shooters and stuff like that. Their descriptions, especially the incel ones, are essentially sterile. Yeah, and they often like kill their parents before they go off and kill somebody. Dude, but like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like season two, she's gonna be stuffed in in another room, and and you'll just hear Cyril's voice going, "Cyril, are you dating that Dedra? She's a dirty whore." Shut up, mother. She's a wonderful woman. She's brilliant. She's a dirty space whore, Cyril. Yeah. No, mother. Yeah, I could totally see it. Mm, yeah, maybe I'm we just should not, watch um... Psycho as maybe we should watch Psycho as our side <laughs> reference to Andor. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I just Cyril just reminds me so much of those like insult types that like kill their oh. mothers before going on shooting sprees and. Oh yeah. I, I I legit the first time I watched Andor. When he was leaving and like getting her things, I thought like the camera was about to pan over and show Edie like dead in the corner. I I seriously was like I was actually surprised he didn't kill his mother. If if it's gonna happen, it's gonna be in some so, place where Cyril has like moved up to where he could get away with murdering his mother. Where they're like, yeah, actually, we need though, it, but you know what? It's we're, he we're, is so like 
pro Lady Justice, though. I don't know if he would break the law because then he can never nut for Lady Justice ever again. Yeah, but you're talking about somebody who's severely mentally ill. So it might, you know, his, his brain might be able to come up with a reason that his mother deserves some justice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or he'll just stuff her and pretend she's not even dead and he never killed her and she'll just continue yelling at him in his head. Uh, yeah, so anyway... Thank you. I know that was a very heavy segment, so we're going to go back to uh, a nice, happier segment. I'm uh, sorry that I had to vent my story time on, but like, yeah, that particular that particular person has been a foil of mine for years. And like I get like he's just such a perfect example of. That (laughs) it is getting it is getting late, so um. And we're we're pushing time. So I do want to just like quickly do my like last few notes. Um, so one just quick thing about Mon Mothma. I think it's like really interesting that she I think she's relatively kept her soul clean, but she's starting to realize that she can't do that forever. Yeah. Which is the whole thing about the gangster. Like, where is her moral line and will she cross it? And um, it's, the it's, clock's ticking on when they're going to check her bank account. So, yeah, she yeah. better figure out something. And so I do like watching Mon in the situation of like the lines drawn in the sand. Will she step over it? And of course, when we get to the finale, she does. Like she's just like, I will give up my daughter, which is just so good. And I will have a lot more thoughts about that. Um, I love that. Good you know, storytelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like that Kino is such a hard ass, but he still calls Olaf by Uli mm-hmm. as he's dying. He's like, Uli, come on! I'm like, no. Uh, I've said that note. I've said that note. And finally, the last line is perfect. It is a fist pumping line. The energy that comes out of that scene, that moment, like that, because like it's been building, it's been building, it's been building. And he said, like somebody did like one of those like manipulation, like those uh, video edits where it's like people at a bar watching a game, and it's just like Kino says that line, and everyone in the bar just starts fucking going crazy. I was just gonna say there were a hundred YouTube videos about this that moment. Yeah, that that is a line that is like, and, and like that is probably the other part of this of like why this is my probably my favorite episode. But the feeling I came out of that moment, um, just felt so good. Like just knowing, like we're fucking doing this because like with the Aldani heist going into that last episode, it was just like, oh, there's nerves. What's gonna happen? We don't know. And it was kind of a lot more solemn. This feels like a let's fucking go moment. <laughs> Hi, Kitty. My Kitty's yelling at me. It's fine. Um, so I I love that last line. It's so good. But. That's all I have for nobody's listening exclamation point. Do you have anything else? I do not. Uh, all right, then score it up the episode, Chris. I'm giving it a 9.75. That's funny. We I think we swapped ours. Like I think my last week was a 9.75. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, this is a this is like pretty much a perfect episode. Say that last part again. My cat was screaming at me. This is pretty much a perfect episode. This is just like, yeah, perfectly constructed, pulled off episode. It's wonderful. As of right now, this recording, this is my 10 for 10. I love the chaos and the confusion and the mystery about what happened on level two. Sorry, I'm going to turn around because my cat's trying to eat my Cheez-Its. 
I'm getting a new guest chair very soon, and I'm very excited because I don't have to listen to this all the time anymore. <laughs> um, I love seeing Kino and Mon's morals break down. The visceral Dedra scene, how they handle Dix's torture, like the last line, like this is a solid, amazing, like 50 minutes of television. I fucking love it. So, well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes. Twitter. Get away from get off my desk. Ow, ow. <laughs> She's trying to my cat you. is calmly sitting on my lap. Fuck you. In a little, little semicircle. Fuck you. She's trying to eat my Cheez-Its. Uh, we she would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, the Two True Freaks Facebook page, or our Discord channel. And this week, our feedback comes from our and I don't. I think it's The Reckoning. I just remember you guys talking about all this at the same time. This was a really interesting, but it came from Discord. So, yeah. Uh, so this is all, yeah, this is this is three different people and one one linear conversation. Yeah, one of those people bird. I don't know, and and that's uh, Mitchell in this. Uh, Mitchell, you're new to me, and I didn't realize you were in our Discord until I saw this. And Mitchell I'm sorry, Mitchell two fifty six, not not to be mistaken for M- Mitchell two fifty five. But I, I just wanted to say, like, I'm sorry I missed you, and I didn't like greet you when you like came in and stuff like that. So uh, we're happy to have you. I'd love to know how you found the show and have you like it. So uh, thank you for joining us, Mitchell. So. All right, so we'll start out with Charles. Starts the whole thing rolling with, I think the reason that I don't vibe with the Luthan is a Jedi theory is it removes an element of his bastardry, I guess, because Luthan very much is a historical revolutionary in the vein of someone like Lennon or Sam Adams and the Sons of Liberty, someone who is very much fighting for ideals like freedom, but is also someone who is kind of a terrible person who's fine with doing horrible things. Like American history classes spend a lot of time glossing over just how brutal and violent tarring and feathering actually is yeah which if you think about it yeah (laughs) historical revolutionaries do heinous things and tell themselves and everyone else that it's justified for the ideals they're fighting for and luthan being a former jedi i think there's two issues with that for me which is i don't think he'd be willing to turn his back on those jedi ideals so much that it doesn't seem that he's even fighting for the light anymore and also that I feel that completely changes his motivation from what feels like I'm doing this because I've judged that the Empire needs to fall and I've decided that drastic measures need to happen to up to and including my own sacrifice to uh, the Empire hurt me specifically and now I'm trying to right that wrong. It's an interesting theory, but I just can't get down with it personally and I think that's why. I don't want it to be that either because I don't, I honestly, I want this to be about real people. I don't like having having someone be a Jedi in this all of a sudden changes it and puts that Jedi element into it. And I think it's supposed to be about the, you know, the people on the ground, you know, ground level, normal people and and what they can, you know, that I think it's about to be it's about to be like what the people without the super, you know, we've been seeing the supernatural element of Star Wars fighting it out. This is what the normal people go. And I, I would be a little disappointed if 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 I would be a little disappointed if Jedi even showed up in unless it was in some weird, disappointing manner. Uh, anyway, so that was my I, reply. I 
I'm like 80-20 on the theory. Like, I'm 80% like, I don't want it. But there's a tiny, like, 20% of me that's, like, super intrigued by the idea that, uh, of, like, seeing a Jedi that's, like, fallen this far from grace when we we know that, like, Kanan's a hop, skip, and a jump over, just being like, believe in your friends. That's actually the one time I wouldn't mind seeing a Jedi. If there's, like, you know, some, like, footage of, like, Frey Prince Jr. just, like, running around on a TV screen, just like, we've captured this footage of Rebels, and it's like a glimpse of, like, Freddie Prince, just like, shoo, even though he, he won't do it any- <laughs> Apparently he won't do it anymore, because people don't fucking Star Wars about, I guess he's never paid attention to our Lord and Savior, Jar Jar Binks, bedoinking his girlfriend. And, well, you know, the anyway, show. Anyway, I'm, I'm, the, sorry, I'm the Bucho. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bucho. <laughs> Bucho replies... What if he was a Jedi who'd done an Ahsoka, had a falling out with the Jedi bigwig somewhere back? At, this actually makes him like makes it make a little more sense. Somewhere back up the track, but without going full Sith, like say the Dukester, the Dukester. If Luthen had turned his fucking love you, the Dukester, <laughs> the Duke Master, the Duke Meister. If Luthen had turned his back on the Jedi years before Order sixty six, it'd be easy enough to roll with that. I'm doing this because I've judged that the Empire needs to fall, and I've decided that drastic measures need to happen to up into including my own sacrifice, quote unquote, thing rather than the Empire hurt me specifically, thing, quote unquote. I reckon. That said, I'm mostly devil's advocating. In real life, I'm with you that Luthen's significantly more interesting if he's not a Jedi. And then uh, the mysterious Mitchell two fifty six says, which I won't do a voice because he has not. I, I need to get some new voices. I need to get a Bucho voice and a Charles voice. I would love to watch you try to do a Kiwi accent. Well, I wouldn't. I, I just do I do voices that just totally don't fit with the people at all, you know, that don't sound like them or are ironic to how they sound. I know, but I think because we've had Bucho and Char- Yes. We have had Charles on the show. I had yes. a moment I was like, when, right? <laughs> We've had them both on the show. Well, like with with like Patrick Delmore, it was a conceptual thing. Patrick Delmore, yeah. like like before, like he even started writing in the show, I knew him. I would see him on Facebook, like reading chapters of books and stuff. So, I I I like you know he was established as you know having a reading voice and being eloquent, and I portrayed him as the squeaky voice teen from <laughs> the So. You know, it was it was a level of irony. I don't. Well, if how about this? If you would like Chris to give you a voice when we read your feedback, let us know and what kind of voice you would like. Yes, and, and or, me, the master of of vocal acrobatics will 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 pull that off. Anyway, Mitchell two fifty six says that, and the more Jedi that survive Order sixty six, the less impact order 66 has yes it this becomes is valid less, less of a thing for sure and charles says i feel like that if that's the case there's no real point to him having been a jedi in the first place narratively it wouldn't affect anything i also do feel like it would move some of the tension in the character the non-force sensitive going up against the imperial machine with the charisma and connections alone sort of what i said uh, and Bucha says, yeah, so I feel like the only reason to do it is a twist for the sake of having a twist, Delio. And so far, it seems like the kind of storytelling cheapness is not how the makers of this particular show roll. And I 100% agree with that. Oh, man. I wish I just realized something. If you, Chris, listen to Dark Side Divas, you would be able to do the voice of Charles's nemesis, who is also named Chris. 
Oh, God, that would be weird. Yeah, but that'd be fun. Uh, not really, but actually it might give be. Me, just give me a bunch of, of, of input it like AI into me. Just just isolate his voice and send it to me, and I'll, I'll actually, put it in my brain like I, AI and spit out. Or you could also like listen through for light and dice because that Chris is our GM. Yeah. I'm, hey, Chris. Someday I'm going to get a time machine that I can consume all the media I need to consume. Yeah. So, hi, baby. I know. It's, I know. You want me to come. She's sitting on my bed meowing at me. My, she wants my me to cat go to already bed. left out of frustration. Hi, baby. Attention frustration. Well, in that case, where can people find you? Because it's getting late. You can find me at Two True Freaks. I know I gotta post this week's episode. You can find me at twotruefreaks.com, which is our website, which will be hosting all our episodes, including the one I'm gonna post tonight, which is the one we recorded a few weeks ago on the 40th anniversary of Star Wars: The Return of the Jedi, which was a few weeks ago. We were so good planning that on the fly. But uh, yeah, that's that that's already out and up there, and um, and including this episode, which if you're hearing it, it means it's up there, and all our back episodes, all 370 some of those plus, and all of our other shows and their back episodes too. You can also find us on Facebook, where we have the Two True Freaks podcast page, where we post all our episodes as they come out, and the Two True Freaks Cantina, where we hang out, and we also have. Um. Uh, we're on Twitter, and the the guy brave enough to to run Twitter is is the steadfast Gene Hendricks, the man who consumes all the media. Gene, Gene, the media machine. Gene, Gene's gonna come to your house and be like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I'm here, so I cleaned your pots and plates because we don't want salmonella." I cleaned your house and I watched everything on your DVR at triple speed. Yeah. And then I swept your driveway and went home. Gene! Gene, Gene, the podcast machine. He rides through the western on the train machines. Gene, Gene, podcast machines. (laughs) Just breaks into like a western. He's Gene. (laughs) These long shows make us punchy and goofy. Yeah, yeah, you know, after we like pour out our hearts and our emotional trauma for therapy, then we get cheesy with westerns. I'll be punchy, you can be goofy. <gasps> that means I'm going to be the, one of the best Disney dads and a really good single father to my son after my wife tragically died somehow. Yeah. You watched a Goofy movie. It's a, really, it's a classic. <laughs> it implies dark things about Goofy and his wife, so. <laughs> that means he fucked. <laughs> <laughs> She's in the back I, door. <laughs> Me and her fucked. I can't. I stole that joke. I can't. I can't take credit for that one. I stole that one anyway. <laughs> that was from various streaming. Anyway, uh, you can find me at Jagex and Jedi on Twitter as long as it still exists. Uh, you can find me also at Hope Molinex. I also write for a lot of places like Wealth of Geeks and Dark Side of the Force and the Geeky Waffle. Hey, go read all of those. And also, if you like watching stuff. Go watch the Geeky Waffle YouTube channel. We're really close to monetizing. That's really... We need watch hours. That'd be helpful. We're having a mermaid month because... Yeah. But I've also talked about, like, hot clones. So, yeah, that's God, I hope mermaid month and shark week don't intersect at any point. <laughs> I'm gonna have to tell that to Candace. Anyway, 
Um, and you can also find me and our friend Charles of the show, who was just talking about how Luthen would suck as a Jedi and let's throw him off a boning. It was Charles' words, not mine. He wants to murder Luthen. Over on for <laughs> last week we talked about badgers with this. Now we're talking about Charles murdering a fictional character. Hmm. With the no, Charles would do it with a flamethrower. I'm pausing because I can hear him screaming across the country. <laughs> Anyway, you can check out for Light and Dice. It is a tabletop Star Wars role-playing game. Uh, we really do roll dice. We're going on an adventure. We're having a lot of fun. And we're in the middle of our characters' backstories. And as I said at the top of the episode, fingers crossed on Monday when we record that I get to ha- throw trauma on my character. Because I hopefully will get to murder her. A person. Not her. I love my baby. I love my baby bird. But it's time for her emotional trauma to come out. And, yeah, she's going to be murdering. If if all goes well, fingers crossed. So go listen to For Light and Dice. We're holding out for you, Hope. I I hope so. Like, if... If you, you need know, anybody it, to hold the feet down. Listen, just saying. And it is a collaboration. I know what it looks like in my head and how I would get there. But at the end That's of the day... That's half the journey. No, no. At the end of the day, it is a collaboration. And I have to... You have to be flexible enough. And I'm going to be with other people... It'd be one thing if my character was on her own, but I, I will be with other people. And so if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I don't get to inflict trauma on my character. It just has to come out in a different way. It's fine. You'll so, get to inflict that trauma someday. I am I know you will. I hope so, because I I have plans for my bird. <laughs> so Anyway, I'm not looking at my cat. Look at her ass. Hi, baby. All right, everybody. <laughs> Go to bed. It's late. <laughs> Come back Stay next over week. till the cat licks its ass. <laughs> Instead of wrap that, that puppy up, it's gonna be the one the cat licks its ass. But on that note, uh, come back next week where we're gonna be talking about one way out. And the the best that I swimming. <laughs> yeah, get your water wings, and it's also a fucking shame that Andy Circus didn't get an award, no- an Emmy nom for this this yeah. speech. Yeah, crime oh. against humanity. Oh, oh, absolutely. Anyway, bye everybody. Bye. Yay. That was a three-hour show. That was a three-hour show. We could have gone to Gilligan's Island in that time. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two True Freaks.
Nutcracker, Nutcracker performances tonight at 7.30. The Rosé box office says tickets are almost sold out. More information on our website at UpperMichiganSource.com. My apologies. That's what happens when we're on a timer. That's all right. And that does it for your TV6 Early News tonight. Just seconds left. Thanks for joining us. Nightly News is next. Good, Good night, night. everyone. <laughs>